God, we're back again. <laughs> Courtney, it's our first in-person episode of No Challenges Remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg. You're Courtney Nguyen. First in-person episode we've done together since like February 20th, like whatever we did post-Australian Open, like that rap show. Yep. It's been a while. It's, it's been a while. Lovely to see you. It I'm was... so glad to see you, Courtney. It was definitely nuts because I saw Ben for the first time. We had dinner on Thursday night, mm-hmm. I think, and uh, we met up at the restaurant. And I had taken an Uber, and Ben had already was already there. And when I was pulling up to the Uber, I just and I was getting out of the Uber, and he's like standing like 15 feet away from me, doesn't even notice me. And I'm just like, does he really not know that I'm like, like someone is getting out of a taxi in front of this restaurant? Like he's just like staring off, like looking, and I'm like, does he not remember what I look like? This is not the wrong car reunion you were waiting for. And then today, same thing. Well, you were like hiding in the shadows. I was today. not hiding in the shadows. She I was, was hiding in the I shadows. Not. Snuck up next to me. I thought it was a mugger, honestly, in the big city, and it was Courtney. And I was like, oh hey. The Doc Martens and the jean and the baggy jeans and the the black hoodie does give me away. Yeah, yeah, mugger. You were in the shadows. Anyway, it's not. lovely to see you in a well-lit hotel room here. We are here to talk about the U.S. Open draws, which I admit I have not really looked at very much at all. Been busy with other stories this week, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you all know about. And, uh, yeah, let's talk about some tennis coming up, though. Yeah. Um, we both were on site at the U.S. Open, picking up our credentials and stuff, and getting a little bit acclimated on Media Day, which was uh, Friday. Today is Saturday where we're recording this. And it was... Uh, I don't know, it was nice to be back. It's different, definitely, in there. Um, but it's nice to be back, and we'll, nice to be actually physically in a press conference That's for the, the first time. That was nice. I only did one in person, just because I wasn't actually writing off of those things, but I went to the Djokovic one, just because it was like, oh, I'm actually free in this moment. I'll go talk to Djokovic, and I did want to ask him about a stuff, from story I'm work- stuff for a story I'm working on, and it just feels so much better. Like, And to be, and, you know, so a big reason why, obviously, this is my first tournament yeah. since um, Qatar, uh, 2020. Wow. Yeah. Um, obviously I was in India, well, at, well, in, within 75 miles of Indian Wells yeah. when <laughs> India Wells was canceled. Um, but outside of that, um, yeah. And so this is my first event. And the big reason that I am here is because it's a hybrid press room. Um, which is to say that like we are, if you are vaccinated, if, if you are a journalist who is vaccinated, you are allowed to go into main interview room one and it is effectively a hybrid press conference situation, which is what they had at the Australian Open as well. Yeah. Where journalists, I'm just giving people behind the scenes yeah, information yeah, sure, sure, at this sure. point, but like, um, where journalists who are on site and fully vaccinated can go into the main interview room and it's a regular press conference for the first probably 75% of it. They say 50, 50, but like what I've been experiencing is that they've definitely been waiting at heavier to in-person press than if you're on Zoom. Yeah. Um, Not different than Australia, though. Australia did that, too. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe that's right. Yeah. But I, in media day, I feel like there was no more than three questions to the Zoom. Uh, well, and then also they could have given that, the third one to a kid. Yes. Yeah, there's a kid caster who was asking a question as well. So, um, but that's a big reason because otherwise, you know, I think that for a lot of journalists, as much as it's fun, there's a fun element, obviously. Ben and I have been having this discussion um, kind of offline since Wimbledon, I think, um, really about, you know, kind of he was there and, you know, I've expressed to him my reticence to, to be here of kind mm-hmm. of being like, I could do this job at home, but like on some level, yes, I do want to see the players. I want to be in the press room and stuff like that, but I'm not like bells and whistles 
like school's back, baby. See how it is when it gets going. Because yes, like fair. because my main thing that I appreciate about being at Wimbledon was just feeling way less alone and being around other people who cared about this thing that I was that sure. was my job. Right? Like being you know, having the equivalent of like water cooler conversations, being able mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna use this exact exact example and I'll use it again, not to pick on her, but like being able to make jokes about Camilla Georgie and have people get them, you know, oh, in person. Yeah, sure. Like that's that's nice. You know, yeah. that I missed. And like people and it's a different pretty different crew of people who are gonna be here because not many Brits are here. Um, almost no like I spent a lot, I spent, a lot I spent a lot of time as, you, as listeners know because he was great during that tournament with Tumani for example mm-hmm. in Wimbledon he's not in New York unfortunately because of uh, visa issues and stuff uh, which a lot of people have had coming from Europe so um, yeah so we'll see it's going to be different but um, still just getting back I don't know it did, it did feel more like I was sort of doing my job and it's still not the access we're used to no because right. um, we're still walled off from the players which is a little weird because they're not in a bubble here um, like they were at Wimbledon. Wimbledon, it made sense if they were like really in hermetically sealed bubble, kind of. And, uh, you know, they couldn't leave their hotel. Here we see them on the sidewalk. <laughs> I ran into their French Open champion, Barbara Krejcikova, at a Dwayne Reed. You know, <laughs> these things happen. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but not on that sort of um, level of being able to go and really get a better sense of the sort of temperature of things, which I was able to get actually in Washington, interestingly. Right. But <laughs> ATP did not want you talking to the players in person, but they were, like, literally five feet from us, and there was, like, no board, no boundary. And so we were, like, occasionally chatting, and and that was more really useful, actually, just getting a sense of, like, what do people think about, you know, vaccination stuff? What do yeah. people think about other sort of stories it's, of the day? It's such an... And that's what I feel out of touch with. Yeah, and I think that that's... I, I'm sure this has been raised before um, but on other podcasts that you've done with other journalists and stuff like that during the COVID times of... Just, but I know that we've discussed it quite a bit and us and our friends of just like, yeah, like what you lose, obviously to do the job, Mm -hmm. which is, I mean, my job is obviously very different than your job. So let's be fair. But like for me to do my job, it really just requires for the most part, Zoom access, interview the players in a press conference setting or put them on a phone call with me. I ask my questions. I get it. I write it up, you know, do my stories. Um, but the thing that you miss out on and what we have missed out on for two years, and I do think that like, you know, it's going to take a while for, for tennis, the media landscape within tennis to normalize in this way is missing out on just reading body language yeah. of being able to talk to somebody just quickly in a hallway of run and, and because right now, because up until for me, up until this week, up until Friday and media day, Every single conversation that I had with a player in the last two years was very transactional. Exactly. It was never organic. Exactly. It was never. I mean, I ran into um, Dasha Daria Kasatkina um, uh, in front of. I was waiting for transport, and she had come in um, straight. Or no, she was coming back from the courts, but um, she was here, and you know, we said hi and everything, and immediately blurted. You know, she was blurting all of this what her experience was like in Cleveland and what the conditions were like and what the courts were like and all this stuff that like, I would never ask in a press conference because no. I'm, I don't need that information for the stories that I'm writing. But so much of what we do, and I think that I speak for you as well on this of like for the last 10 years for both of us and our careers within this sport, so much of the valuable information or finger on the pulseness of things is that it's actually not the stuff that happens in the press conference. That's just it's public both. facing. It's, it's, it's sure. It's I mean, you can drive things and get big issues, but like yeah. 
just kind of getting a sense and the feel of where people are at and what they're talking about what they're talking about what their moods are like like sitting on transport you know look at the players and just kind of looking around and getting a sense of who's sitting near whom and who oh i didn't know those two those two players were buddies or you know overhearing conversation between coaches like all of that stuff informs the color that eventually gets passed on to fans and that's the stuff that I have been completely starved of and just even, you know, two or three days of it has been, yeah. has been really meaningful yeah. already. So Good. yeah, I, that's been nice to be hopeful for that. And the other things like I think Reem was saying that she feels like she hears about a lot of like coaching switches from photos that Jimmy posts, <laughs> Yeah, you know, honestly, cause like he's on the practice course and none of us are there and, um, and he's sort of <laughs> breaking some coaching news in that way for us. So yeah, it's, it's all gonna be different. Um, I, I agree with you totally, like, the value of organic things. Just because, like, it's even just, like, gossip-type stuff, which is not, like, necessarily material to what we do, but is useful for sort of painting the picture of, like, oh, I didn't know that this player was dating that player or whatever. Like, that's the stuff people, like, I don't have friends who are on tour who are, like, sources who are, like, so aggressively gossipy. They'll, like, be, like, oh, like texting me to be, like, I just, I guess, do I just want right. making out in the player lounge? You know, like, no, but you can, like, if someone, you know, passes you in the hallway, they'd say something that's, like, top of their head and whatever. It's just, like, yeah, it's, I think it's it'll be better. It's just the osmosis. And the other thing that I just wanted it's to still say not as a, well. It's still not a lot of access, but it's, it's still not, better. It's still not a lot, and it's still better. We only have in-person access in terms of press conferences and interviews in room one outside of that. So normally we have, so at the U.S. Open, there are technically seven interview rooms yeah. or areas. Um, we have one interview room and everything else outside of that, we still have to do from Zoom, hope, from the press conference. I it's hope full they Zoom, put a lot so. of players in one. I hope so too. I hope they really load one. But we'll see. Keep we'll Gary see. busy. I have no idea. But um, yeah, so there's that. And then the other thing too is like the question, I don't know about the ATP press conferences, but at least with the WTA ones, like the questions were kind of put to the players about kind of how they feel about like seeing us again. And like every single one of them was just like, oh my gosh, this is so much better. Yeah. Like, you know, just being able to see faces and to read body language and to not have to strain to hear somebody or somebody's audio cuts out and things get weird and to have the rhythm of a conversation. I don't know if people saw this moment, but the kid caster Mm -hmm. in the Djokovic press conference asked him a question of... It was it was confusing. It wasn't his best work of the day. The kid caster. But to be it was, fair, but the kid caster has broken he had two some, news stories he, on the on the WTA side. He had so. some good. He had some good. He had some great moments. The phrase is I'm trying to replicate the phrasing. It was confusing. It was like it was basically asking Djokovic. It feels more like Spider Man or Gumby. Is what I would edit it to. Right. Um, and Djokovic did not know who Gumby was. He didn't know that name. Mm-hmm. And so I like on my phone, which my phones keep getting bigger. I pulled up a photo of Gumby and like held it up so he could see it. And he's yeah. looking. He's like, "Oh, Gumby. Uh, oh, green guy. Like, okay." And I don't think he really knew who it was, but at least he could like engage with it. On Zoom, that's not happening. Yeah. On Zoom, there's no assists. You're on your own. Everything is so in a vacuum. And like that's small. Like showing a photo of Gumby for the kid casters question, but like it's, you know, it's sort of it, it's more of a team effort. When you're in person, you're not just and, doing this like solo speed dating thing. Eh, and just anyway. humanizing it, just yeah. humanizing the interaction, you know, of like, you know, we're still masked in the the room. The players yeah. ha- are at their option whether they want to be masked or not. But everybody else in the room is uh, almost everybody else in the room is masked. Um, and, you know, but for them to be able to see us nod our heads to kind of we're chuckling and, you know, you can see your shoulders kind of going up and down or. Um, you know, having players, even the simple thing, like, again, because you can't do it on a Zoom, but, like, they walk in and they see you and kind of, like, nod their head and kind of, like, acknowledge your, kind of being like, hey, 
which you can't do on a Zoom. So then that yep. automatically kind of sets the tone for an. Yeah, it's just. You also show that you're invested in the tournament too. You came here too. Yeah, true. Right? You're not just like checking in from home. You're like, you care. You walk, show them in the room. You're there. And anyway, we should talk about this. We can talk more about the tournament as we go along, what sure. our experiences of are course. there. But let's get to the draws. There's still two whole draws to do. Uh. We'll go fairly quickly through them just because I have not spent a lot of time with these draws, like I said. Do you want to do dudes with? or ladies first? I think. Oh, you have girls up. I have guys. Okay, I'll, let's go do guys. Let's do guys. Let's do guys. Okay. Once again, have not looked. No. Don't know. I really don't. I, I don't know much about this draw. Like I said, I've been busy. I did see, though, that Qualifier. Uh, yes, <laughs> I keep saying that. Hold your rune. Um, who's streamlined his name to being just two names, which we appreciate, because he had like four in juniors. Um, it was the qualifier for oh, Drew Novak Djokovic. It's still four on the main? Okay, yeah. Holger Vitas Nogskov Rune, um, who's had been playing really well. He won back-to-back challengers on clay. He won uh, three matches in qualifying right after that on hard court to qualify for his first Grand Slam main draw. He's been getting a bunch of wild cards into tour events and not doing particularly well. A little bit like Donald Young vibes almost, um, which is unusual from Denmark because... Not a obviously a big federation, no like quid pro quo. It's obvious, but he is like establishmenty. He's uh, more Taglu protege um, of the academy. There, he's been one of their guys for a while. So can he beat Djokovic? Like almost certainly not. But <laughs> but but it's a nice look for him to get a big stage introduction to be on the main court for sure. Um, and everyone who plays Djokovic is going to be the question of can this guy do it in terms of you know like getting back into Serena twenty fifteen mode. Like can this person be the person to stop the the Grand Slam bid? Um, you had a question, Courtney? No, I just, I mean, I had two comments. Yes, please. Not so much questions. <laughs> um, first, Holger Rune, absolutely confused him with Casper Rude all the time. <laughs> like, if he is in, not by looks, but just like when I see his name, I will, I will think it's one or the other. The running joke of Courtney having utterly no idea who Casper Rude is continues to flame. I don't, I don't yeah. know. I don't, I, I, sorry to this man. When I say running joke, I mean fact. <laughs> I, I really, I don't, I, I would not. Rude blindness, rude blindness. Just whoosh. <laughs> Nothing. Um, uh, so that's one. Second, just zooming out and just looking. Yeah. Seems a real nice draw for Novak Djokovic. Am I wrong? Well, is that not the take? I, I mean, mean, I know there's, the question, there's one the, or two the, names the, 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 the in question, there. But... The question is, would everything be a nice draw for him? And the answer is probably yes. I mean, there's some players. Okay, so Golf Fan's been hurt. Golf Fan has not played much. He's yes. the first seed. He played number 27. So Djokovic's draw, let's say. He starts with Holger Rune. I'm not sure I'd ever say the first name, actually. Um... Then he gets either Talon Greek Spore. Who was having Greek visa spores. problems. Talon Greek Spore, huh? He was. And then... Um, Is that from our Dutch Lowlands and Caucasian no, Thailand? No, weirdly, I'm the one that knew this. <laughs> okay. And let's just say our Dutch friends are impressed at my depth of Dutch nice. tennis knowledge at this point. Uh, but no, like Talon Greek Spore was having problems getting a visa into um, the US, which hmm. is weird. Um, but yeah, but it looks like he kind of uh, pulled a pavs and got one in and got one eventually. I, yeah. I It was reported in the national uh, Dutch... Okay. NOS, but um, yeah, so good. Uh, that's why I was like a little surprised to see his name in the draw. I was like, oh, Talon Greek. I love that this, that this person, my co-host, no idea who Casper Root is. Fucking Greek sports savant over here. <laughs> Let me Greek tell you a little bit about Bob Vandeslap. <laughs> I know so much about Bob Vandeslap these days as well. Oh my so. gosh! All right, so Greek sports Struf. Struf, solid top fifty yeah. kind of player, love big hitter. Um, the question is like. What kind of player would trouble Djokovic? And I don't really have an answer to that because he beats everybody, yeah. right? When he when he wants to. Uh, third round, third round, could, yeah, best of five definitely helps. Um, we've not seen him since the Olympics. We have not seen him since the Olympics, which obviously ended disastrously for him, losing three straight matches and then pulling out of a fourth medal match. Um, four three straight medal matches, to be clear. Um, that's like hard to do. Um, and but actually, I don't three? think. He, yeah, semifinals of the of the men's. 
bronze in the men, semifinals of the mix. Oh, mixed, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Okay. Um, But those are all with a medal at stake, and he didn't win any of them. Yes. And um, anyway, uh, Nishikori, obviously, is the name sort of in, in there. Also, he could play a third round. Um, and then Aslan Karatsev, uh, in, the, in the bottom half of this draw, uh, did beat Djokovic in the Belgrade tournament on clay. Um, in the bottom, sorry, the bottom section of the 16th, the Djokovic, or sorry, the 8th, the bottom, Djokovic 8th. <laughs> I just don't know where you are sometimes. Okay, gotcha. Karatsev's right no, here. I, no, you said bottom, and then I, went, I looked at, and I was like, going off from No, Shabbat. no, no, we're, we're going more granular than that. Um, and then the other seed in, this eight, in the 8th is uh, Alex Dimonar, who opens against Taylor Fritz. It's one of the tougher sort of first rounds. Uh, Fritz just barely missing out on the seedings, I would imagine. And Am I correct? To, oh, wow. I didn't see Fritz Deminer first round. Yeah. That seems tricky. Golf and McDonald. McDonald actually made the Washington final. He's been playing well. Yeah. And then I'll potential, shout out to as well, too. Yeah. But I was going to say Brooksby, Deminer, or Fritz would be interesting. I loved watching Brooksby in Washington. You were, he was, like, real big on the Brooksby. I have not. The only thing, I, I've said this before on this podcast, the only thing that I know of Jensen Brooksby sounds like a golfer. is that he sounds like a golfer. And I just... Yes, that's my that's my only take. It's a take. That's all. No, my, it's a certain. I, but I, I didn't get. I to can watch. say I can say this culturally. It's a certain brand of of Caucasianness that like the name Jensen Brooksby evokes. It's very, you know, greens and rough. Yeah. No. I yeah. just. I just. It just sounds like a golfer to me. It really um, does. But um. But yeah. No. He was that because obviously I was um in Newport yeah. for the for induction week, so I wasn't paying attention. But he was there. He was but, doing well in Brooks. I know, yeah, but I'm yeah. saying I wasn't watching right. that. Understood, understood. Yeah, and, and San Jose was during Washington, too. Yeah. But, like, really interesting ball striker. Kind of unconventional. A little bit like Medvedev vibes, I guess, but less uh, um, fast. Okay. More of, like, a sort of a combination like Medvedev and, like, Stefan Kozlov. I don't know. I was getting Kozlov vibes, but he was actually winning. Um, I, Kozlov's doing a little bit better. Lost some qualities. You don't need a Kozlov update. we got enough to do. All right. Next section. The He's eighth. your Greek spore. <laughs> he is my Greek spore. <laughs> uh, his match where he was playing against, uh, uh, who was he playing? I'm not going to talk about that match. It was his carry semifinal. You all know what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, Kation was on the call. It was great. Hubie Hercatch is in the second eighth of the draw, along with high seed Matteo Berrettini. Matt Berrettini uh, is number six. Let's start with the Hercatch section, though. Hercatch opens, opens against Igor Garasimov. And they could play Sepier Fucevic. Fucevic is a tough unseated floater, just made a Wimbledon quarter, so not the easiest for, for Hoobs. Um, and then Sonigo is the other seed there. Oscar Otta qualified again. I watched some of his qualifying match kind of randomly. Uh, he went sixth in the third, I think, or went deep in the third anyway. It was good. I forget who it was against, but it was good. Um, and Kudla's in there. Good draw for Hubie, I think. And uh, and then this other section, um, Bertini, opening Shardy. That's not the easiest. Um, big hitter if it's playing especially fast, but Berrettini can also hit the ball hard and do stuff. I like this to be a, a rematch of the Wimbledon semis. I think both Hercatch and Berrettini should be able to get through here okay. Although Ilya Ivashka. True. I, I. Even I know this, is playing incredibly well. He's destroying folks yeah. down in Winston-Salem. Didn't he As- beat somebody semifinal like 1-0 or, or like something so like 0-1? Oh, he, yeah. He won the final today like... Um, I didn't see the end, but I know he was up six love five one. And it I, was like less than an hour final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and it was yeah. like he was like points away with like, like under forty five minutes. Like it was so fast against Mike Lemer. Um, and then Ilya Ivashka, more like Iga Ivashka. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so good. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, on fire. Uh, he's opening up tennis, like tennis Sangren, uh, Pospisil. Yeah, it's 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 a section where unless Ivashka is like really tearing it up, and Ivashka's had a good year. He. Uh, took a set off Nadal in Barcelona, I believe, which is a nice little feat. 
He beat Zverev in Munich, I remember. Um, he's, so he's had a good year for someone who people probably don't know. is not at all a household name in tennis. He's had a quietly pretty great year. Uh, but yeah, I expect the, the boys to get through. Um, could Hubie or Berrettini be the one to challenge Djokovic if, in the quarter? You know, not the worst picks. Is but... Bert, is, not Bert, is Matt healthy? So he played in Cincinnati. Um, he has played. Uh, he had his injury. He also, but he, I, I could have sworn he also played an event where he retired. Maybe that was Cincinnati. No, he lost to Felix in Cincinnati pretty straight up. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but That's right. I, I don't remember. Maybe I'm wrong. I, 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 I could have sworn there was something yeah. where it was like, uh-oh, his ab might be not completely healed, but I could be wrong. Yeah, he also had a, he had a leg injury, though. It was also his issue. Um, anyhow, yeah, we can have our research bureau check out that while we go down to the next section, um, in which starts with Zverev. And he could play uh, Sasha Bubbles in the third round. He opens against Query. Uh, Sinner is also in here. Sinner could play Zverev in the fourth round. Has, a, has beaten Zverev at least once before. Um, Zverev, I will say, is playing very well. 11-match win streak. Doing nicely. Um, should be a favorite to get through here, although Sinner could do well. Other names in this section. Uh, Zachary Svida. Kind of amazing. So, Who that? Exactly. Explain. Zachary Svida, I will tell you. Um, won Kalamazoo this year. Also won Kalamazoo, last time Kalamazoo was held in 2019. So winning back-to-back Kalamazoo's with a, a, over a, two, a three-year stretch, like as a June 18 under tournament, means like you were really good when you were 16 and backing it up. So he is actually an interesting, he could be, he could definitely beat uh, Chekinato first round. Not a bad draw for him. Malfis is playing well-ish. Mm-hmm. Could be in there too. Yannick. But, but uh, and Yannick, yeah, I mentioned Sinner. Sinner is in there as well. Um yeah. Sebi Corda? Oh, not, sorry, not that section. No, we'll get to the next section. We'll move sorry. down. Yeah, no, it's fine. We'll get to the next section, which is Sebi Corda opening against Bajalashvili. Uh, Pablo Carina Busta, bronze medalist, is in there too, opening against qualifier Max Cressy. Um, what is. I did not remember that he won the bronze. <laughs> I was like, I, I pulled a Serena Chilich face. I was like, oh, okay. Serena Chilich face is iconic. So I'm sorry, PCV. I'm sorry. I know, but I'm sorry. I just he's I had forgot. A, he's had a solid. Oh, he lost to somebody. Oh, he got killed by Ivashka in in uh, in Winston Salem. He like destroyed PCV. Yeah. Like, this Ivashka week in, in Winston Salem was wild. Mm-hmm. Winston Salem also, by the way, got really big crowds. I was impressed. And shout out also to nowhere near the main draws, unfortunately for him, Noah Rubin, who stepped in like very late notice to play against Andy Murray while we're talking about Winston Salem. Um, but yeah, I had, for some reason I hadn't like I don't know if they changed their stadium or like it was just photographed differently this time. But I was like, wow, there's actually like a decent number of people here at this tournament. So it was I was I enjoyed it, not paying tons of attention to it honestly, but I enjoyed the visuals coming out of there. Uh, Riley Opelka is the seed in this section who could play Karina Busta. Riley Opelka having a really great run in Canada in Toronto, where he made the final of a Masters event for the first time, um, kind of pulling himself. And I think he, I'd already thought this, but. Of that generation, that's him, Tommy Paul, Tiafo, and Fritz. That's definitely like a foursome. Yeah. Like that was the biggest result by any of them so far by a lot. And oh, he's yeah. trending up. And I think he does have the biggest upside. He um, seems an interesting guy. He's an interesting fellow for sure. I obviously have never talked to him. I don't know very much about him, but yeah. just I don't know. He's got a thoughts. He's engaged. Different. And interesting. And yeah, he's like he's he's got an interesting uh, sort of view of stuff. And it, not just because he's seven feet tall, and because he's. <laughs> No, no, what? <laughs> no, it's just, I see what you did there. Yeah, well, you know, um, 
but he's he he will he will engage on stuff. He's a little bit sort of like willing to have opinions that are pretty pretty strong on stuff, pretty automatically, which is welcome uh, in a lot of ways. That don't come off quite as like uh, stroppy as sometimes other players do for these sure. sorts of things. Like I would compare it to another player, but I'm not going to do that. Um, uh, yeah, but he's just an interesting guy, and he's. I said this early on with Opelka that the big guys, the really tall boys tend to be late bloomers. Like, Isner had went to college, obviously, and better results later in his career. Karlovich, famously, still, like, making the main draw. We'll talk about him. I don't know if we missed him already. Um, no, not yet. At 42, qualifying for this round, just unbelievably great accomplishment. Um, they they peaked better early. So that Riley was already as good as he was, being even solidly top 100 when he was, I don't know, 20, 21. Like, watch out, because he's a very well-rounded player, and with everybody getting tall, with all these trees, as they say now about the ATP draws, like he's the biggest of the trees, and yeah, the upside is big, and his draw is actually really good. Uh, starting with Sunu Kwan, uh, then Musetti. Really excited to see Emilio Nava. By the way, Musetti has not won a match since he was up two sets to none on Djokovic at the French Open. Really? Yeah, I believe that's right. Curse of the Joker. I tell you. <laughs> Curse of retiring down to 4 in the fifth for, that, for the fans. For the fans. <laughs> Bless oh, his heart. Bless his heart. Oh, but I'm really oh, excited for Emilio Nava, who's in this first main draw here. Emilio Nava made the finals of the French Open. Oh, sorry, uh, Junior Australian Open. Uh, one of the best junior finals ever. It was a 14-12 tiebreak oh, yeah, in the third I set. That. You know who's against? His first round opponent here, Lorenzo Mazzetti. Oh, okay. Look at that. Okay, wow. Factoid. Yeah. Uh, So that's your Musetti Nava factoid. Really sweet kid when I talked to him there. I remember being very charmed by him. His very, like, valley way of talking. He's from L.A. He's the first cousin of Ernesto Escobedo. Oh, is that right? Yeah. We stand. So it's sort of a little bit of a dynasty there in Mexican-American tennis. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's great. Escobedo's also in the section of the draw. They can play in the fourth round if they both get that far. Escobedo opens against uh, Hachinoff. I hope they don't schedule them at the same time. I hope they get the space amount for the family a bit. Um, uh, Hatchinoff, uh, playing well. Silver medalist. Did you know that? <laughs> she did yeah, not. No, no, Folks, no. she did not. <laughs> no, 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 She no, didn't no. know. She didn't know. It's one of those things where, first of all, none of that information is information that I, by default, even if I knew it, would be information that I need to know. You know what I mean? ATP like, I don't, sure. I've never written it. Yeah. Like, I've never, for... I mean, not to get super deep on Courtney, but, like, I don't remember things unless I write them. And I don't mean that in a metaphoric way. Like, literally, like, unless I, like, type them out or if I write them on a piece of paper. Like, everybody knows I always have a notebook Mm -hmm. and I write things down. I never look at that notebook ever again. It's just literally a bunch of scratch paper. Mm -hmm. And when I write stuff down, then I remember it. I've literally never typed it out. Yeah. The men's Olympic results. I why would I ever have written them down or referred to them? Fair question. Especially the way that that event unfolded. So, mm-hmm. like, I just, I don't... So, if you if you were to make me think about it, I'd probably be able to get there. Like, I know the information. Okay. But, no, in that moment, I did not know. It, uh, my brain, my... I was like, uh, somewhat, I'd have to, like, do the math. Somewhat, somewhat trick question. Who came in fourth at the Olympics? Well, Novak. There you go. You got it. Okay. So you, <laughs> just check and make sure you were there at all. Okay. <laughs> Just sort of, just sort of pulse check there. Uh, good work. Um, Whatever's the opposite of a heat check. Yeah, that's exactly. what that was. <laughs> like, are you alive? Mirror under the nose. <laughs> check. Smelling salts. Uh, Denis Shapovalov uh, is here. Uh, is the high seed uh, playing Hachinov potentially third round? Shapovalov opens against Del Bonus, and then Tommy Paul or S- or Kabaris Baina. Um, 
yeah, I think this is a good section for Opelka, honestly, is my takeaway. Hachinov playing well. Chapo, I don't think he's played great in this hard American summer, but obviously Semi's Wimbledon uh, played really well at Wimbledon. Um, and you could tell, like, he knew he was playing really well. And when he still lost in straight to Djokovic, and that well, was that really, that was set, dispiriting. Just yeah. a little little too reckless in, that, yeah. in the closing moments of That's that always the thing with Chapo. It's just, like, keeping keeping that really free-flowing Well, he read game. lines, yeah. and sometimes the engine overheats. Exactly. I mean, that's just what's going to happen, and you just hope that the engine doesn't overheat at yeah. a critical juncture. Let's talk about, in, as we finish up the top half, let's zoom out a little bit to this quarter, this Zverev, Chapo, Busta, Opelka, center quarter. Who here do you think has the best shot of derailing Djokovic? I think maybe Zverev's the obvious answer, so beyond Zverev. Anybody stand out as someone who Novak would be worried about? Best of five? I kind of want to say, like, Opelka. I mean, just because that's, that, that's your, such a that's weird your, match. But that's just your, that's your whole Isner-Rafa thing. Like, that's your no. whole idea. You just think that big servers are, like, disruptors. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I feel like you are particularly... It is a theory. You, you are particularly beholden to that theory. Like, you, gen- mm-hmm. you seem to believe it in your core. Ugh. I Well I just I think know. I just think I just think all the way back to like, I don't know, like Karlovich beating Leighton Hewitt when he's defending champ in O three Wimbledon. I mean, sure. Like lightning can strike, yeah. but betting on lightning to strike is not actually an if analytical light, strategy. If lightning's strategy. gonna strike, it's gonna hit the guy who's seven feet tall. Okay, congrats on the joke, but I like don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying I'm making any sense. No, I don't I don't okay. don't know. So do you have an answer? I just look. I mean, I'm not an. I don't know where Novak's head is at. I don't know what's yeah. going on. Like I was on in his. I've been, but I just think that he is that good. I just. It's like. It's like. It's you know. It's Roland Garros and sitting there being like, who here is going to knock out Rafa in the top half of the draw? And it's like freaking nobody, dude. Like we can I, have this rhetorical I conversation and we that. can all try and be race to be right. So people are going to have all their hot takes and say, because then you get to say, like, I ch- I see, I saw it coming. You didn't see shit. Come on. Like, you said a thing and it happened to turn out right. That's not, but, like, I mean, Novak's Novak on a hard court to me. I think you're right. I just do think, and I don't think he was asked about this. I got to his press conference, like, maybe a minute late, um, but probably meant he was through the first third of his first answer. Um, that I was wondering, like, I don't think he got asked about, like, how he processed the Olympics. Mm. And that would be a question. I should have checked his transcript. I'm sorry for not doing that. Uh, but I, uh, I'd be curious, like how I will ask him about that at some point if, if I'm back in his pressers. Cause like that was rough. And that's like, that's the thing. Like my confidence in this U S open potential went down at the Olympics, just how it ended with it, like going down in those kind of flames made, made me think he was less invincible than I thought he was coming out of Wimbledon. And so best of three playing for certain with the, I know, flag I know, on. I know. Like, I mean, you know, I, it's a hard versus head thing. I just, I, I, and maybe once he beats and destroys, Ogarun and your boy Greek Spore, maybe he'll maybe he'll calm down and maybe everything will just be normal um, and it'll be business news for Djokovic. But I also remember what it was like for Serena in 2015. I'm gonna mention. I think sure. people will mention that a lot during this tournament as in Novak Where's analog. Was the Roberto Vinci? Well, yeah, just like but just the ambient stress that was clearly getting to her by the business end of that tournament. She lost to somebody she wouldn't have lost to under normal circumstances. But, still, but okay, I mean, you know, distinguishing facts. I mean, Serena trying to complete it on home soil when, like, every single street corner has her photo on it and every single commercial that's being run on TV is about, you know, Serena the Queen. I have not seen Queen. Novak on a poster here. The, it's, I mean, I'm not a, that is not just... Now, that being said, okay, so I think that that is a completely different kettle of fish. Fair, fair. Than, than what good, Novak good, is experiencing. Good kettle clarification. But that being said, what is what 
that is not to say that what Novak feels in his head in terms of the pressure is any less than what Serena felt. Mm. Like, so I'm not saying that like Serena was under more pressure mm. to do it because I don't know like how Novak conceptualizes this. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, and I still think best of five matters. I just really yeah. do. I it's mean, a lot of margin for error. So long that he is coming into this event and this, these are the questions, I mean, obviously, which is physically and mentally, like, he doesn't have to be locked in for... Hold your room. It's a great opener. Hold your room. If you're nervous. Sorry, I had to scroll up be like, what's that guy's name again? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it, you know, he's got, he's, got, he's got some time to lock in, lock in. Yeah. But if assuming that he has... And I guess, I mean, I guess that's the discussion. I, in other words, I guess, you know, it's the Novak versus the field discussion. Yeah. No, right. it is. And it always is. So... And but we also live in a year where Rafa lost at the French Open, so maybe I'm just a little bit even, sort of. I know there's different players, but like we're also in a year where Novak's won three. Yeah, completely. So we'll see. So we gonna see. We'll keep. Obviously, you'll hear more about Novak as the tournament goes on. You know what? I literally almost asked you. <laughs> Go ahead. Who won Miami? <laughs> that is heretical. It's just so bad. I don't know. I just, it just, it's like it a... the outsider. It's like a fucking whiteboard up there. What do you think? What do you... I scrolled, I scrolled down to look. I'm so sorry. Like, I feel like it's so irresponsible, and I feel really bad that, like, I am opining on anything ATP, given how big the gaps are, the gaps have become. Particularly, again, this goes back to what we talked about before. Normally, I'd be on site at joint events, and I would be following the men, because... They'd be on you screens would be, near you. would be on screens, and I'd be waiting for a match, and I would be yeah. watching something else, waiting for... An, it would just be a part of it right now. Like it's very siloed yeah. because it's very surgical. Like what, you know, our jobs yeah. are right now. And at, you know, four o'clock in the morning, I am not waking up to go watch a men's match. Whereas yeah. if I'm on site at the Australian open, I am watching that match because yeah. it just happens to be on. So my, I think that that's more, it's not that I'm not interested. I just, I hear you. I can't, reti- I, I just not. So before, before we get, before we get to the bottom half, I, I don't know if you're there already, but like <clears throat> what seed would you guess that your boy Casper is at this tournament? You know what he won like three like eight two fifties or what that nobody played right yeah he won three two fifties in a row in in three weeks which is impressive just as, as a physical feat winning fifteen or whatever in our matches because he got some buys um but he didn't I think he played like one top fifty player but still like it's a lot of winning I would say top twenty number eight <laughs> seed yes. <laughs> Oh, anyway, we'll get there. We'll get. Th- we'll get there. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I, feel like, I feel like you're gonna have to stand at some point. Like this is just no. It's a, not. It's really it's not. It's like I weird. Spot. Like fine. Like I. It's almost offensive to me. <laughs> uh, speaking of players whose names start with R U, Andre Rublev is here as the number five seed. Andre Rublev, who won Olympic gold mixed. Oh God! You said gold, <laughs> and I was like, what? I was like, in that moment, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I was just gaslighting at this point. Uh, he plays Damn it. He plays Ivo Karlovich. No one watched that. Who? Um, who? Uh, I it. Who? Uh, who is like I aforementioned? Gush about him a little earlier. Forty two is really cool. I know people obviously don't love watching Karlovich, but objectively, it's a very very cool thing oh, he, he did. Wow. Yeah, he qualified. Okay, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, he's outside top two hundred, I think now, or at least has not been near top hundred for a while. Okay, but interjection. Yeah. Can we redo the draw? Why? There's still time. Because of the Chad Bowl. Yes. What the hell is that? Yeah. Chad is sad. Rough stretch for Chad. 
It's not right. This is this is Chad a hate crime. Free CC Smooth. Yes. Obviously, I've I'm, been working to try to help. I, yeah, I, I've, I've, I've been aware. Work, yeah, he's working totally. to try to get him free. Um, I'm his sort of Jesse Jackson in North Korea, and um, and yeah, like <laughs> Tiafo versus and, Eubanks first round. Tiafo like, had posted uh, on Instagram about how excited he was that Eubanks qualified, and then like an hour later, he drew him. <laughs> I don't like that at all. But it'll be a fun match. It'll be a fun match. I know, but like Eubanks qualified, and then he's. Uh, yeah, Chad Bowl. Big day for Chad. I'm sorry, Chad. I think he's coming to the U.S. Open, actually. I hope he's there for that match. I don't know when he gets in. Um, anyway, Rublev is here. Rublev made the final of Cincinnati on the men's side. Uh, generally strong year, solidifying himself. Sort of talking, I was mentioning at dinner or whatever, this concept that people are saying now, of the next four, sort of being mm. the big four of Rublev, Zverev, Tsitsipas, and Medvedev, um, who are solidifying themselves in that sort of threshold there. Um, with maybe, like, you know, your Chapo and your Hotchinoff sort of floating around a little bit in that generation as well. Um, uh, Rublev has got a good draw, I think, for him. Uh, Karlovich, and then the other Pedro Martinez, uh, <laughs> James Duckworth, uh, Krajinovic, and Tiafo Eubanks. It makes me happy to see a Pedro Martinez. Every time I see Pedro Martinez's name in the draw, Especially get, playing in Flushing. Yeah, I get happy. I get yeah. happy. It's um, a baseball joke, kids. Yeah. Honkball. Uh, shout out to... Uh, <laughs> Honkball. Shout out to... Uh, Noted Mets tennis crossover fan, Victoria Chiesa. Yes. Uh, we, we adore. It was lovely. It was also nice about the US Open, seeing a lot of people on the yes, first day. Yes, getting to seeing see Seeing Chiesa, people. seeing DK, seeing Blair. Like, that was nice. It was a, lot, it was a different group of people who were at Wimbledon, too. So that was already like, oh, it's the No, American it was nice. Catch-up. Like, yeah. Russell, the BBC, and yep. Stu, yeah. Frazier. Like, it, yeah, it was. And it's and Howard, obviously, the AP. And, you know, it, it's funny because I see these faces that are so familiar that for a split second, it's like no big deal right. in my head. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's just Russell. And then I'm like, no, that's freaking Russell. Like, I haven't seen Russell in like two yeah. years. Like, yeah. you know, um, so yeah. Yeah, definitely. I totally get that. Um, so I think it's a really good job for Rublev. I think he will kind of cruise into the fourth round, honestly, uh, where he could face uh, the high C in this section is Felix Oje Aliasim, number 12, uh, who opens against Donskoy, and then the winner of uh, two Spaniards, Feliciano Lopez, also a 40 something. And, uh, Zapata Marias, whose first name is Bernabe. And uh, Zapata Marias uh, is, is a lucky loser into the draw. He is, like, oh. incredibly vocal in qualifying. Oleg on Twitter was, like, narrating some of his, like, or some clips of like, all the noise that was happening as one match. And just, like, the constant sort of guttural monologues. It was interesting and sort of performance art way of empty qualies. Um, so hopefully his he can maybe be, okay, it's not a bad draw for Zapata Marias to say during this Zapata Marias breakdown um nick Kyrgios is in here also as an unseated against uh, roberto batista Aguth. that's a fun first round match uh, clear contrast of styles and comportments and stuff uh roberto- i feel like those are like the worst matchups for nick though when he plays like pros like it's a, professionals it's a pro like you know like he's a pro but he's not having a good year okay roberto slipped out of the top 20 for the first time he's seated 18 because of some withdrawals but he is uh which has also kind of affected casper's i was season. gonna say like once i started thinking about it, it was like oh is that because nobody's playing I don't think Casper's top 10 yet, I want to say. Mm, I don't think he's top 10. Um, But he's number 8. Anyway, uh, yeah, Batista, I think winnable for Nick, but uh, Felix is solid. Um, It'd be nice to have, actually, it'd be nice to have a Nick versus Felix rematch because they played each other at Wimbledon and Nick was rolling and then got hurt. Um, So that'd be an interesting one to have. I actually would love to see Nick Rublev, and that'd be kind of a fun matchup too. I don't think they've played very much. Um, But also, there's a lot of pressure put on Nick, who has not played especially well to make a fourth round. No reason to expect that. He did pull out of, of uh, 
Winston-Salem right before that Noah Rubin entry. So Nick's not coming with a lot of confidence, but uh, we'll see how he does. Uh, this next section, Stefano Sitsipas is the high seed here in this. Sorry, let's go to the bottom. I mean, there's not much happening, honestly, in the Garin Umber section worth too much discussion. That's a pretty soft section. Have I said it before that I love Ugo Umber? You have. It's worth okay. repeating. I just want to say I just, I just adore he's, that guy. He's lovely. I just I think that he's nifty, and I love his mom, uh, Elizabeth Perkins, and <laughs> it's just great. Elizabeth Perkins is in big. That, that's his mom. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, very Good much. Fan. Some nice guys in this section here. Nice guys like Melman and uh, Dushan Lajevich. Like old people. Uh, but we're going to scroll down to Stefan Sitsipas, who is the sort of blockbuster. This was this match. This was this year's match. One of the two that made people think the US Open draws rigged, which people always think because of the way they do the reveals. Um, there's no proof it's rigged. There's also little proof that it's not. Uh, they just should do it in public. Uh, I don't think it's rigged, to be clear. I do not think the US Open draw is rigged. It's but not the Mur- rigged. But I know it's not. But the Murray Sitsipas draw, like, come on. Like, uh, Murray opens against Stefano Sitsipas. One will certainly be Remember in the session. one year when they did the first, I think it was the first time they did reveals and it was Serena Maria. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, I know. And that was like, everybody was like, um, I was like, even for me, I was like, um. And they also did one, I think even the year before that, maybe where it was like Serena and Venus in the same section or something. It was like they moved up Serena yeah, C yeah. when she came back. And anyway, I just don't, I really hate that tradition a lot. And for other, other slams are doing it too. Just do it in person. Even if it's the Australian Open one that looked like it was being done like in the 80s. Like on a shaky. Video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like yeah. it's still got to do that. I no, think. absolutely. It's t- I mean, that being said, COVID, whatever. You know, there are certain, no, there COVID's are, there are mentalities no, but... as to why. Well, there are not a lot of draw ceremonies anymore. I right know, now. but just do it and do it in person. Uh, if Cincinnati can do it, you can do it. Uh, anyway. Stefano Tsitsipas against Andy Murray. Shit draw for Andy Murray, uh, who had some nice momentum in Winston-Salem. Uh, played well against Noah Rubin. And uh, <laughs> it's just like spawn conference Noah Rubin. He gets mentioned a lot for a draw he's not in. Uh, but anyway, uh, Murray played Tsitsipas. I don't love this match for Murray. Obviously, he's playing against number three. But it'll be interesting. I don't think they've played much, that I, maybe ever, that I can think of. And I will be... Uh, people will watch this match, which is why sure. it exists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that it speaks volumes about me that I wanted a redraw for Chad, but I'm not demanding a redraw for Andy Sitsipas. <laughs> I think that just on some level, there is, a, there's like f- myself as an Andy Murray stan um, and supporter. Mm-hmm. I just think that there is, that's what you want. Why have to play one of the guys? You want it. You you want that match. Like you you train to play some of the best. You don't, especially with where his career is right now and and where his confidence and his game and all and physicality all that is. You don't necessarily want to go out to. To uh, Marias. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like or or you know, uh, Alejandro Davidovich Kokina. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if that's you had good, to play that's a that's seed a great, or something. That's a great example. You know. Yeah. Where it's just like, oh, this is kind of a bummer. And you might not even get a good court. Like, you know, but at least yeah. now you're going to get like a good court. You're going to get a good court. It's going to be show court. It's got to be a night match. Yeah, exactly. And and it'll be worth it. And because this could very well be his, his final U.S. Open. And, you know, like go out playing a match that people will remember for whatever reason. I feel deeply weird that I didn't think about this until we just got to this section of the draw. But let's pause for a second here in this draw to pour one out for all players who are not here yeah this the lead up to this tournament was to find out who pulled out yeah uh, in order roughly federer pulled out and shut down his year nadal pulled out and shut down his year serena pulled out dominic team pulled out who's defending champion on the men's side 
and Venus pulled out. Obviously, Venus uh, is more just sort of a sentimental thing than a competitive sort of thing at this point. But that's and oh. since you mentioned team, Kenan also pulled out. Yes, and right. Yes, I fully mentioned that. Number five on the women's side, Kenan not had a good year at all. Uh, Results-wise, or, or a lot of ways, it's been a tough year for her. But, um, yeah, like, this is a, a very different-look tournament, and I'm sort of excited that I didn't notice. Like, we didn't, I wasn't dwelling on that early on, because that certainly was what the feeling was. But it's one of those things, like, I've said this before, and I remember thinking this a lot during the Chilich Nishikori final we had here in 2014. The Grand Slams as occasions will endure. It's really sort of the events, like the 500s and the, and the Masters, as I feel like are more sensitive to this sort of up and downs of, of star power and withdrawals and stuff. But I do think the occasion of the US Open still, the stakes are still there. And especially with what Djokovic is doing. Like, would it be great to have fans be able to see Nadal and Federer and the Williamses? Yes, 100%. You know, but like. The value of the slams will. Yeah, there and, as and, a and the tour will keep will going. Like, I, I'm willing to bet of those players we named, you know, one of them will probably never see on court again. Well, it's entirely think, possible. I think one of the interesting things, too, I'm curious in the first week if this question gets posed, because it's a question that has annoyed me on the WTA side for a long time. Mm. Um, and now it's going to be a question that will probably be ported over to the ATP side as, as Roger and Roth, as, as more often than not, we're mm-hmm. seeing not the big four, yeah. you know, in events and particularly without, you know, Roger and Rafa uh, and stuff. But kind of like the girl, the, 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 the women would get asked all the time when Serena withdrew from an event, like, what is it, how different does it feel, you know, for for Serena to not be in a draw? And the women were all, you know, PC about it, but the overarching response was, we're used to her not being in draws because she doesn't play tour events as often as you guys she's think not she does. She's not a full-time player. Yeah, yeah, so, like, when she's here, it's, a we thing. notice the buzz. Like, you know, like, obviously. Like, we did, we did, like, in other words, I'm not saying, like, they weren't, like, belittling it. They were yeah. like, no, when she's in the draw, like, yes, we notice the buzz, but her being absent of a draw for those of us who are, you know, the, the hard hat WTA players, you know, pack a lunch and go to work, like, we're kind of used to her not being in draws, so it doesn't really impact us when she's not at a major. Yeah. Like, you know? Um, so I'm kind of curious. For the men, it's obviously a, a different because this is, like, obviously this has been an issue on the tour for years, whereas, like, this is now kind of a, a more clear dawning of a new era, probably, for, for the men's side. Yeah. Um, so maybe their answers will be different right now, but... Um, and there's also, but yeah. the, the men's question has been, like, what's beyond the big four then three, then Djokovic, or then two, and then Djokovic. Um, but it's uh, also different while. so long as Novak's there, because it's yeah. like... No, Novak, Novak is still the guy. Novak still is still the number gen. one seed, and he's still... Yeah, he's still... <laughs> so, 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 someone next, next gen, whatever he said in Italian. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, well, it's it's going to be a transition time. It's going to be... It was, it was a sort of like, wow, generation shift. This was the first tournament since the 97 U.S. Open with no Williamses. Or since the 96, actually, we put both Williamses mm-hmm. out. Since the 96 U.S. Open with no Williamses or Federer at all. And this is the first time that neither Williams has been at this tournament since 03, when back during sort of their peak, it was sort of ended the first real Williams, like, uh, dominant era, uh, that withdrawal. Um, and took, the Belgian era started that tournament, uh, basically. And then the Russians started, and anyway. Um, but, so we'll see what happens here. If it's not Djokovic, it'll be, it could be some sort of torch pass moment, um, assuming there's not, the, some, not some nonsense like last year where Djokovic gets defaulted and someone wins and somewhat seemingly by literal default um yeah it'll be interesting it's just sort of a but doesn't a torch pass require being Djokovic 
I don't think that's a torch pass, though. That's just beating Djokovic. Like, Novak's not, like, on the tail end of his career. No. Well, we don't think so. in the... We don't think so, yeah. Like, he's still... He's 34. But he's not at the tail... Passing the baton... Like, we were talking at dinner about 2018 U.S. Open final. Yeah. And how baton... But women's final. And how baton passing, that kind of felt in retrospect, in the moment, whatever it was, you know? Um... And that's a different set of circumstances than somebody coming out and beating Novak at the 2021 U.S. Open to me. Like, that's just somebody beat him. Like, that's a hell of an accomplishment. And yeah. But I don't know. It, I mean, it depends what they do with it. It depends on what they do with it. it it's like uh, Federer and Sampras. Yeah. If Federer doesn't become Federer, it's not like yeah. torch passing. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, it's... But now, in retrospect, you look back on it, and it's like... I have hot takes about that match, but like, for, for another day. <laughs> uh, let's go... I mean, it's not good. Uh it's it, nothing Wimbledon in that era from that was good. Um, there's your hot take. All Sizzling. right. Uh, next section. Uh, number eight Korean seed. Casper uh, Rude. Heard of this guy? Eight seed. Yeah. Who dat? Yeah, Casper Rude. Who dat man? Little little red, white, and blue. Joe Songa. No, plays, that guy. Plays Joe Songa in the first round. Fun draw for Casper. Let's get into it. Uh, Songa <laughs> first. Bob Vandeslap second. And then the aforementioned Davidovich Shokina third. Or um, Isner. And uh, that's that's the fourth round. Isner's oh, sorry. Round. Isner whimsical potential third round against Diego Schwartzman, uh, and oh uh, really actually, but Isner opens against uh, Ryan Nakashima, who had a yeah. really nice summer, made finals back to back in Los Cabos and in Atlanta, lost to Isner in the Atlanta final after having beaten him in the Los Cabos semis before losing uh, to Cam Nori in that final. Cam Nori I didn't mention, but is in the Sitsipas, uh section of the draw, also there. Um, Good, pretty good draw after that for Isner. Two qualifiers. Molchan. Molchan was cool. I watched. Uh, not, not, it wasn't cool, but it was nice being at qualifiers a little bit in those four, five, six courts, which are wonderful. I was sitting watching Emma Raducanu. We'll talk about when she comes up in the women's draw. These are courts that are right outside of the press center. Right outside so the press to, like, center. You don't have to go far. too far, and you can basically watch three matches from once. And yeah. so, I wasn't really paying attention to the men's match almost at all because uh, I was. It was sort of not really in my sightline very well. But then I just saw Molchan like fall to the ground in like ecstasy, and it was like, oh, it was a third set breaker. I wasn't paying any attention to. But good for Alex Molchan of uh, Slovakia, who plays against Cem Ilkel of Turkey in a first round with lots of diacritics. Schwartzman uh, here plays play against uh, Anderson Vesely. I think the seeds will hold pretty well in this section. I imagine uh, in terms of generational shifts, also the French guys are very much part of this too. Songa. Uh, Gasquet, yeah. uh, Malfis, and uh, Gilles Simon. Gilles Simon uh, got himself knocked out of the tournament because he wasn't vaccinated, and his coach tested positive. And if he was vaccinated, he would have been able to keep playing. But as a close contact, who's unvaccinated, per rules, he got a quarantine for 10 days. So he's taken out of the tournament for not getting vaccinated, uh, pretty literally. Um, and the fourth section, sorry, the final section of this draw. Uh, Daniil Medvedev opens against the aforementioned Richard Gasquet of this sort of French generation. That's a fun first round. Uh, Gasquet's been playing okay, uh, but I think Medvedev's still a big favorite here. Medvedev's seed would be uh, Marin, uh, Marin Cilic, 2014 U.S. Open champ. He's had an okay summer. And then could play in the fourth round, potentially, one of the seeds, Grigor Dimitrov or Dan Evans. Dimitrov opens against uh, the U- uh, NCAA champ, uh, Sam. I have never said this name out loud before. I think it's Rafis, Rafice, 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 Sam R. Rufus? I should know Rufice? this. I'm sorry. Um, and cousin Antoine's in here too against Marco Skiron. I got this is weird. I while I was walking to dinner tonight, I got something on Pokemon app 
that it looked like someone it was I wasn't sure exactly what was happening but someone it looked like someone from my contacts added me as a friend and it was someone named Marcos and I went and looked in my phone for like who do, who might have my number who was named Marcos and it was either Marcos Giron or Marcos Vidatis so Marcos Giron if you're listening and added me on Pokemon let me know I'd be excited to have you there <laughs> it might be you Tremendous. level 41 if so pretty impressive um anyway uh Medvedev is was the guy of the American Harcourts uh I mean he won Canada pretty convincingly and was doing really well in Cincinnati until he ran into the camera uh, and got sort of jarred by that. Not physically too hard as far as we could tell, but just sort of annoyed by that and got rattled and then lost to Rublev from upset and a break up. Um, I have camera thoughts. I'm tired of that. That was, I think people should appreciate, it's, I think it's hard to appreciate in the, in the replay that they play just how far away from the court that camera is. I don't think it's near the, the playing surface or the lines at all. He was on a very far extremity of the court and like, and that camera I also looked. It's been there since like 1995, at least, and it's never been an issue previously. Um, Medvedev is expanding the sort of boundaries of the court with the way he plays, and should the tournaments adjust to that, maybe that's an argument for that. But also, it seems like more of a Daniel Medvedev problem than a camera placement problem. Is my thought. I, I don't have any takes on it. I don't have any hot takes on it. I think that. Yeah. You don't just, have to. No, no, no. I just think that generally in any any sport, like players are aware of their surroundings yeah. like you know like in football you have the photographers under the goalposts you have roving cameras you have like the people moving the chains and whatever they get run into sometimes the play but a lot of times like players try to avoid them mm-hmm. like they see you know like you know basketball you know you have the same thing people, people right row. under exactly front mm-hmm. row you become accustomed to your you understand what is the zone of play yeah at any stadium that you go to and you understand that it's not uniform and you understand any... the risk that you take when you go right. when you push those boundaries. Like I was comparing Medvedev to like a baseball player who like runs and like dives over the railing to catch a ball. Right. You know, like when you're trying to play extreme defense, which is essentially what Medvedev was doing, you run risks of that. You know, and um, like there's like an opposite example of like so my baseball team, uh, the Oakland Athletics. They mm-hmm. play at the Oakland Coliseum, which is a dump hole of a stadium, and I love it. It's like my yeah. childhood stadium. But one of the unique uh, aspects of the Coliseum is that the foul run area is enormous. enormous. It's like yeah. it's like Roland Garros style, like where yeah. you just like oh you just keep running, and it's always like really funny because like visiting teams will come and they'll just like forget and like foul balls will just drop, like they just won't go for them because for their stadiums, like when our guys go and play at like. You know, not that they do, because well, like if they go to Camden or, or something, Fenway or, something, or yeah. Fenway, like the 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 foul run area is tiny, um, and they'll just like run full blast into things, and you know, and risk injuring themselves. It is their responsibility to know one way or the other that like you know that wall is there yeah. here, um, and at this stadium that wall is not there, and yeah. you should go and chase down every single ball, you know. So and to me it's different. That's kind of how I see to me it's it. It's different too. It's not like he got I hit in the head by a swooping by a swooping spider can that was like moving. This is a fixed object in the court that he hit. Or on the edge of the court. Anyway. Um, so I just thought that sort of... And people got so mad at me for saying that. I got, like, so much blowback for that. I was like, Come, guys, calm down. I don't think that that's calm a very down. controversial... It. I didn't think so either. But people really were like, oh my god, player safety, no! We hate cameras, we say as we watch every match. Didn't, didn't like it. Uh, can Medvedev beat Djokovic in a final? Uh, or anyone else in this bottom half? Uh, I'm gonna Could say... Sitsi, I, I mean, mean both. Sitsi, both... Roland Garros, but then Novak at Novak on hard is different. Yeah, and Sitsi on hard is different. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. We'll wait and see. It's the story of the tournament from a sort of results level, and we'll wait and see. But there's also lots of stories on the women's side. 
starting at the top with increasingly reliable, dominant number one, Ash Barty, who... You sound so sarcastic when you say it, and I know that you don't mean to be, but you do. No, okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> like, Ash Barty, who's been really good, and truly, I mean, like, Ash Barty's been great, uh, and banking titles and sort of racking up titles in a way we have not seen number ones do since Serena. Since Serena. Um... Barty opens in the straw against Veras Monareva. Kind of a fun... Former finalist. Another fun person to sort of have in a... Not unlike Murray, a fun person to have a shot at a, a big court again and stuff. Um, guaranteed. Although Murray probably would have a better shot than Sonareva generally because he's a bigger name, former champ and stuff. Uh, future Hall of Famer, all that stuff for Andy Murray. Generally likable guy. Uh, not that Sonareva's not. Um, but anyway, Barty opens against Sonareva. Then the Battle of the Claras, Bureau and, and Tawson. Uh, and then Shelby, Rogers... Uh, Brengel, Kirstea, and Kudermatova as the next possible third round opponents. Uh, Shelby Rogers beat uh, Brengel in uh, the US Open last year, I remember. And that was a fun run for Shelby Rogers. Great run. Played really well. Match point saves against Kvitova in... I mean, that that tournament had some great matches on the, the women's side. So the women's tournament, women's 2020 US Open, was effing epic. lit. Yeah. So good was, as a that, tournament. That tournament slapped, as the kids say. But, yeah, um, yeah like, Shelby and that that Kvitova match was absolutely nuts. And it still wasn't probably even shortlist best five match of that yeah. tournament. And it was so good. And Shelby, I mean, it was a great run for Shelby. I mean, like, I felt I felt really, really happy for her to be able to get something like that. Um but yeah, um, still... What do you think of this whole eighth for Barty? Why don't we zoom it out a little bit? Uh, the eighth. Yeah, so, I mean, I, th- I think her draw is really nice. I think that Ash has got a very nice, like, first week, for opening week draw. If the seeds hold, and if certain results go one way or the... Do you want me to hold it? Good. Okay. Uh, ben is drinking water, FYI, <laughs> if the audio picks up on a noise. <laughs> opening a Perrier. Yes. I should be going... <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, so I think that on the whole, like, this is a very good eighth, it's a good first, you know, three matches, three, four matches for Ash. I think second week, things can get, ramp up very, very quickly, but that's not an, unlike terribly her, uh, her draw at, at Wimbledon either. You know, in, in terms of, like, the first week, it was pretty straightforward. She made it a little bit more roundabout than it needed to be in mm-hmm. that first week. And I think that that's something that, with Ash, it is not a pattern, because it's, like, we don't have enough of the data points quite yet. But yeah. um, there has been this trend with her of, of you know, <laughs> almost Serena-esque. Like, if you get her, get her in the first couple rounds. Because after that, like, when she hits quarters, she's pretty... She locks in. Like, like Naomi, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, all... All the big, all the great big match players are like yeah. that, right? Like they get up when, you know, like in um, in Cincinnati, for example, with um, um, uh, Ash, like she did not look good against Watson in her opening match. Like Heather really could have won that match. Ash played big points pretty well. Um, and then her next match, I think she played uh, Vika and she texted her team and said like, we got to go level up. Like there's no way, like I, we have to figure out a way to like, you know, and she what lost two games to Vika. unreal beatdown. Yeah, it was unreal. Yeah, to the point of um, uh, I think the bo- I think I was listening to the body serve um, the, the the kings of the north mm-hmm. and uh, and they were saying like the scoreline was going in such a way at such a pace that people started tuning in thinking something was wrong. Like wait, hold on, what the hell is going on here? Because no. that you know, and and that's Ash. Like like when she plays those players that she to- like just knows. I got to get up. I got it, you know. So here, when you look at her draw, the first, you know, the first four should be pretty good. But, you know, what, fourth round, she could get a rematch against Mukova? 
Yeah, that's interesting. That's an inter- She could get a rematch against Cerebus Tormo, who knocked her out at the Olympics. Yeah. That's also really, really interesting. That would be an unseated opponent. You know, um, Radu Kanu's in there. We can talk about I will your... talk about her in a second, yeah. but I want you to talk first about Brady. Yeah. Because so, talk about Brady and why Brady is probably not as dangerous opponent as people might think. Correct. Yes. Um, I think that for Jen... So Jen Brady is 13th seed, obviously, and what a ridiculous, like, you know, four months that Jen Brady had five months really of, of, you know, winning Lexington, making the semifinals, playing the best map, like challenging Naomi. Well, I'm not saying more. I mean, Kostyuk challenged her as well, but um, Azarenka also. Azarenka as well. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, as we say this, because, um, Shelby was good against I was fact checking myself on something and in my head, for some reason, it is so in my brain just thinks it as an absolute fact that Naomi lost one set of tennis last year in New York. I don't know why. I don't know where this came from. But hmm. somehow my sense was always like her, like my initial thing is like her dominant run to the U.S. Open title. And then I went back and looked. I was like, oh, the dominant run? She lost like, <laughs> she lost like three or four sets. I mean, what am I talking about here? Um, but for some reason, like that's still like my instinctual reaction when somebody asks me what that what happened. But anyways, so yes, yeah. So amazing run for Jan Brady. That happens. Then she makes obviously her um, first major final at the Australian Open. Since then, pretty much has been struggling with a foot injury that just won't go, won't go away. And uh, talked to her a bit in Cincinnati uh, ahead of the tournament, um, and she basically said, "Yeah, it's a really frustrating injury. It's it's she's like, I, it's not an injury that I can just like put a boot on and rest and it's fixed. And like I kind of just kind of have to keep working on it, but I can still kind of play, but kind of not. And so." I think that in Cincy, she won her opening match, which was great, a big win for her. You could tell, like, just emotionally how much it meant. It was, like, one of those late-night matches on, a, on an outer court. Um, and then uh, I, th- I want to say it was against Caroline Garcia, but I could be wrong on that. But her ne- her next match, she was it was a, almost a dead-heat match, or she may have even been leading in the scoreline by just mm-hmm. a little bit, and she, she pulled the ripcord. Mm-hmm. So that was just a week ago. She opens against Emma Raducanu, who Ben will talk about in a second. But yeah, it's just it's just really I just I just really really feel for Jen because she was just so on the up and up yeah. and um, really physically just uh, yeah the foot's just been really hurting her a lot. So unfortunately, thirteenth seed, you know, a big underdog to 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 not I mean to yeah make it make it even a couple of rounds. Yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, it's tough. But I think also she's got a really tough draw yes. in Emma Raducanu, who played so well. I was out on court five watching Raducanu. Uh, one of those players who I was she at Wimbledon. She qualified. She was in qualifying. Yeah, she won, uh, yes. I watched her in qualifying in her final match against Meyer Sharif, which is a match I was pretty excited for in the final round of qualies. Sharif also got in as a lucky loser. We'll talk about her in a bit later. Um, Raducanu was so much better than Sharif. Like, this match was just, like, not close. And Raducanu's, like, ball striking was amazing. Her composure, her sort of court sense, her versatility was just really, really cool. And just, like, it was one of those ones, like, oh, you're never going to be in qualities again. Like, it was kind of my thought. Like, okay, here's your one time playing qualities at a slam. Enjoy it. <laughs> because you're wild card at Wimbledon. And then, yeah, and then just such clean power, such fluid strokes, a lot of, like, composure and stage presence and everything, which is maybe not what people think after what Wimbledon happened, but, like, her sort of collectedness and all of that just seems so solid, especially after Wimbledon again, where, like, she could have been rattled by everything in the conversation around her and the and the Piers Morgan of it all, you know, like, but she, at least so far, so good, and she'll probably she be on the... the final of the WTA 125 in Chicago yeah. the week before. I mean, that she has, I think Alex McPherson talked to her uh, for the WTA website, and he wrote a really, really nice profile on her. Really interesting, just, like, how much of a nerd she is. She got her A-levels back. 
Uh, she mm-hmm. got an A and an A star. She like was going over the Golden Gate Bridge and marveling at the architecture because apparently her father's a structural engineer. Okay. And so she knows a lot about like architecture and stuff like that. So she was like, yeah, it, it was interesting. Hmm. So yeah, no, it was a really, really interesting profile. But um, but his headline was like out of the spotlight. She's manufacturing this, like she's getting success in America. And so it's not even just the three matches of qualifying, which is not an easy thing to do. Nope. Winning three matches in, in slam qualifying nope. is really brutal yep. especially the conditions this last hot, week were no crowd. hot no yeah. crowd really humid yeah. so there was that and um and yeah but it was also not a, a shot of the pan i mean a, a a a random thing you know she made that run at wimbledon i think her next event was san jose she got a wild card she lost in the first round but then turned around and made the final lost to clara towson uh at the 125k teenager all teenager battle yeah. there uh, and then and then goes and qualifies. I mean, that's really really impressive work. And it's again for a player that not a lot. Of, I mean, outside of Britain, I suppose, but even within Britain, she didn't play a ton as yeah. a junior. She says herself because of injuries and things. Um, so to you know Wimbledon and the way that like that Kirstea match in particular was was really Vondrosheva. She destroyed Vondrosheva. Um, but you kind of like what's going on here? You know, is this just you know lightning in a bottle? You know, not unlike what Goff did, you know, that one year, you know, her Wimbledon breakout. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, is this lightning in a bottle or is this like what this kid can do? You just don't know. Yeah. You just don't know. But the thing but... about, against Sharif, it looks sustainable. Like, yeah. she was so, again, I don't, I don't mean to pick on Sharif at all, but she was so much better. And mm-hmm. Sharif is the higher ranked player in that match uh, by quite a bit. And she just looks solid and good and still young and just like all the fundamentals are really solid. And just, yeah, it was, it was really impressive and very professional looking. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why, for some reason, just kind of her awkward demeanor. Not She's not like the twirl like this one. Kind of giving Anna. Ava- Anna yeah, vibes. No. Uh, you're not the first person to be like, there's it's like an Ivanovich thing. Yeah, a little bit of Ivanovich sort of vibe. Just happening. like um, body language wise. And, and the like hair is The hair braid is, yeah. the, the, with, the, with the visor, yeah. Adidas. I was getting it's, it. Yeah. It's very, yeah. it's, it's Anna. Some superficial reasons, some real reasons, but yeah, some yeah. Anna vibes there too. Uh, all right, let's move on to, and her draw is not bad actually. If, or whoever gets past, out of Brady, this play Haley Baptiste or Zhang Shui. Uh, Zhang Shua, you had a recently lovely interview with. Love. Uh, which you posted on the Twitter. Yeah. Uh, after she won doubles. If you want a good time, yeah, go through 40 Deuce twits. Uh, maybe I'll retweet it. I know my account's locked at the moment. But, um, yeah, I did a Champs Corner with Zhang Shui and Sam Stozer. Uh, and I never do this. I never, like, go and post the video or no. anything. But it was just so incredibly delightful um, that I just wanted the world to see it because I just... They're one just of those things that wouldn't, that wouldn't translate to print at all. No, that's the thing. Was I was, I was tri- typing it up, obviously, because the Champs Corner is a written thing. And so I was transcribing it. And I was like, this is just, it's not it's not translating. Yeah. And I can't get, make it translate unless I change her words. But I don't want to do that, obviously. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Zhang Shui, just absolutely delightful. Everybody loves her on tour. The next section of the draw, Iga Sviantek is the seed here. It's number seven. We'll start at the top part of this section with... Do you know Belinda Benchich won a gold medal? I do know that. Okay, there you go. Belinda Benchich. Also, she won a silver medal. Oh, yeah. yeah. Belinda Benchich, double medalist. Good draw for Belinda here, I think, for the first couple of rounds. Arantxa Roos and then Trevisan or Coco Vandeweghe. Nice to see Vandeweghe back playing on tour. Uh, and then could play against uh, Jessie Pagula, who's had a continued her great year. That's um, a big like match. I was like, ooh, like I want to circle that one. Yeah, like, Pagula is pretty good. I want to see that. I good see draw for Pagula, Pagula, actually. Very work, pretty workable against Potapova and then uh, Doy or Sanders. Apologies to Sanders, who I accidentally typed Saunders. 
on a wildcard post and then, and then just had been retweeted too much before I noticed, and she was like, "That's Sanders." So I was like, "I'm so sorry. I, I, I'm so good at spelling names." Usually, playing a lot better. Like Sanders she, is playing. Sanders yeah. is playing well. Getting the Aussie wildcard. I mean, she's a name's been around for a while. A name you've seen, obviously yeah. memorable. Especially named in Storm. Doubles and, yeah, 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 yeah. But she's and yeah, but she's just like solidifying herself into being a top sort of 150 type player, following the legacy of the next section, Sam Stoser, who opens against Annette Contivate. Uh, Sam using credit to ranking again. I feel like she's used a lot of those actually mm-hmm. already. Um, Contivate and Sviantek here in this section. I Annette Contivate, who just won in Cleveland. Yes, she did, and also is being coached by Dmitry Tarsanov. Yeah. Um, another thing I learned from Jimmy. So uh, here, I think this is a pretty great. It's actually a really balanced section, kind of very similar. Like I, I think that Sviantek and Benchich a little bit in the same category. I think Sviantek's obviously much more consistent, bigger upside. Benchich still don't know totally where to to place her in terms of the thing. Actually, it's weird because her eleven ranking. Um, even though she just won gold, it's really largely based on 2019 results. Um, it's still a lot of frozen points from back that, that yeah, session. Yeah, she's a 2019 semifinalist at the U.S. Open. Yeah. She, you know, but I mean, obviously, if it is that, if the seeds hold and it's it's Benchic and Sviantec, fourth round, that's a rematch of the Adelaide final, which which Shvantec Two junior won. legends. Two junior legends. And um, again, I just, I'm super intrigued by this section of the draw. Like, I think, like... Yeah, like those four you, seeds are fun together. Yeah, exactly. The and rest I'm not sure, sure is interesting, honestly, but those four seeds together. And Teichman's in here, so yes, even yeah. with that, I mean, Contivate could have to play Teichman in the second round, and then you would get potentially a Schwiantek, Teichman third round winner to play Benchich Pagula in the round of sixteen, winner to play potentially Ash Barty in the quarters. Yep. Like that's where I think that like once the second week kicks off, I think that Barty's draw. Ratchets, ratchets up a lot in terms of um, um, level of difficulty. Yeah. Um, but we also know that Ash, like it's almost a good thing for Ash. I mean, I think that sometimes it's those trap matches, you know, of even like second round. Have, I mean, I think that Ash has too many tools to be bothered by, by uh, like a Tossin, for example, who is great, but is still, you know, not as multidimensional of a player yeah. as Ash. But to play players that she doesn't play a lot and she doesn't know a ton about, I think that's where the uncertainty can undo her game a little bit but then and when Benchich she loves that and Benchich loves that but she will know playing Benchich I gotta level up she will know playing Sviantek yeah. which they played in Madrid I gotta level up she'll know against Teichman or, or Pagula exactly. honestly she'll know and that's when yeah. you know things get and then you know obviously because we yeah in Cincinnati we saw that she played a little scratchy and then goes and like dominates Azarenka, dominates Krachikova, dominates Kerber, and then beats Teichman. You know, Wimbledon similarly, so. Let's talk briefly about Teichman, because we didn't do a Cincinnati yeah. show. Uh, what do you make of Jill Teichman's uh, run at Cincinnati? I mean, like, kind of out of nowhere. It was one of those when the draw came out, people were like, why did she get a wild card? Was the main conversation that Octagon is the answer, obviously, there. The manager company is also owner of Cincinnati, of hers. Um, but talk. I don't know if she felt like obligated to prove that wild card thing, but like holy cow that was like technically on the come up a little bit and it had good results but that was next level like making a final of a thousand like wow like she was just so solid and um lots of like in her game you have i'm sure you know about this is be your insider moment what should people know about about Teichman who hadn't seen her really before this month yeah no obviously I mean like yeah as you said she has had results and I think that when you watch if you've ever had an opportunity to watch Jill Teichman play when she is locked in, it's so good. She is so good. She's an incredible athlete, great speed, has every shot in the book, all-court player, likes the front court, can play kind of a clay style. She was born in Spain, 
Um, obviously, she had two Swiss parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's coached by Arancha Sanya, uh, Arancha Para Santonia. Yep. Um, she uh, obviously is fluent in Spanish. Like she's a, there's a very Spanish vibe about her. Um, but um, and so sometimes I think that it even for for those of us I think who watch her a lot there is this tendency and plus because her first two titles came on clay, this idea of like oh she's a clay court specialist but then once the pandemic hit. Um, and then restarted last summer. She's been a hardcore queen. I loved the story about how she was defending champion Palermo, and went to go play. I think it's what's no, it's Palermo or somewhere else. Yeah, Palermo. But it was going to be the points are coming off the same week as Lexington, and so she something about how she wouldn't get more points if she played Palermo again. So yep. she went to play Lexington instead and made the final. Yep. And lost to Brady there. That was like that was a really cool story and sort of a, I love the backing yourself. Let's go, you know, let's yeah. let's go and conquer new. She's an interesting one. Land. She's an yeah. interesting player. I'm still I'm still getting to know her. Like, you know, like just as a as a person, as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, I find her incredibly interesting. I think that the way her brain works is a little bit different. I don't that sounds weird to say, but like I just when I ask her questions, I don't really feel like I'm getting answers that I expect. Yeah. You know, and she made a comment in Cincinnati um, where kind of offhandedly that her coaches always tell her like, you're weird. Like you, she, they're like, oh yeah, they always, my coaches always tell me, oh yeah, you think different or you do things weirdly or you see things in a different way or something. And I'm like, that's really fascinating. Like I want to get to the bottom of this a little bit because how do you have this kind of like left brainness difference, but then lock into a Spanish style of very fundamentally sound. Yeah. You know, nice tactile. Yeah, it's a really, and then also be a really, really good athlete. She's very good with her court it's coverage. Like, it's, like, it's like if Roger and Rafa had a baby. Oh my God. Is it Jill Teichman? I'm sure that fanfic has been written. Interesting. Um, um, but no, just to finish up on Teichman. Yeah, so yeah. she she comes out of the pandemic. She makes that final in Lexington. Yeah. Um, starts this year incredibly well. Um, has a great run semifinals in Adelaide. Um, and then semifinals in Dubai. So she made a semifinal of a 1,000 before. She beat Kvitova. She beat... Um, I can't remember who else, but she'd be like two, two or three top twenty players. Mertens maybe in that run, uh, but anyways, and then uh, loses to Kochikova in Dubai, and then basically had a litany of injuries after that. So, it so when people say like it did come out of nowhere, yes, it came out of nowhere because her re- recent results through the clay and the grass were absolute crap. Um, I think that she would like maybe won three matches over the last like maybe four months before Cincy, um, but she said that like um, she played Montreal uh, first round against Daniel Collins Daniel Collins coming off of San Jose mm-hmm. um, and she played three sets and she played it she, she was like I was happy with my level and I was pain no free pain, yeah. she's like the first time I wasn't pain I didn't feel any pain so she came into Cincinnati and just played and, and got real amped to play Naomi night session yeah. you know and Naomi didn't handle her she lost her composure at moments in that match Naomi um, but she didn't play a bad match like, Teichman was no. on it. And no. every time Naomi kind of pushed and pushed to try and get breaks back or break, you know, and get the lead, uh, Teichman just slammed the door and was serving incredibly well. That's the other thing, too. She's got to serve. Yeah. Like, she's got... And a lefty all, serve. A lefty serve. She's got all of these tools. And Naomi, I think, like, and not just Naomi, I think Carolina as well. She beat Pliskova in the semis. Um, and um, who should be in the quarters? Oh, Belinda. Um the leftiness, I think, was really thrown. There's not a lot of top off. lefties these days. Yeah, and I think with Kerber, yeah. everybody looks at Kerber and Kvitova as the top lefties, but play, players have played them so many times. But, like, here's a lefty that's coming out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, doing a combination of things that you're not used to seeing. So it was super interesting. So I was super excited for that final against Ash because I was like, oh, Ash has never played you. 
one of my funniest moments of Cincy. Sorry, I'm going deep on Jill here. But um, I asked Barty in the semifinal, after the semifinal uh, win, I was like, huh, what do you know about Jill? Like, what do you know about Teichman? And Barty's like, yeah, no, I, I don't know Jill. I don't know much about her. Then spent the next 45 seconds completely breaking down her game. Yeah. Of just like, I mean, I know that like she's been injured for a while, and like you know she's just starting to come. Up. She had great results at the start of the year. I'm like Ash Barty. I don't watch. I don't watch women tennis. Uh, liar. <laughs> like no, you do. Like she's totally on it. And Ash is a pro. That's also part of it. She's a pro, but she knew everything. Teichman's a pro too. And can I yes. say one thing? I use this as a transition. Not to, if you've more Teichman, no, 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 please that's good. go. I'm done. But as a transition to the next game, I, I, I loved Teichman sort of standing impressed when they talk about Pliskova's serve. Yes. There was this lovely yeah. quote about her talking about Pliskova's like, she's like, well, she's the ace queen. If she wears the shirt, this ace queen, oh, my serve's okay, but she's the ace queen. It was like, it was really like deferential and like, and, and logic, jockish, but also like good. It was like, I But her I, I logic was amazing oh, yeah. in that answer because it was a question from an Australian, because she was saying that she, when she tries to serve, she tries, when she serves an ace, she's like, ah, just like Pliskova. Uh, and then it came from an Aussie journalist asking her, well, but Ash Barty leads the tour in aces. Like, do you think that like, yeah. you know, Ash Barty's serve is actually the one that you mm-hmm. should emulate? And like, Teichman, first of all, cracked the joke. She's very funny. She cracked the joke of, well, but she has the shirt that says Ace Queen. Yeah. I mean, like, you know. But then she also had this rationale of, like, but it's just, like, it's what you know a player of. She's like, when I say, when you say Rafa Nadal, you think forehand. Rafa's got everything. But I think forehand. Yeah. It's the same thing. You know, like, yes, Ash has great, like, she's a great player and whatever. But when I hear serve, I think Pliskova. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was really nice, and um, and yeah, and she was incredibly complimentary of of Ash and um, and Ash's game. So yeah, big big. I I am looking forward to kind of like getting a better sense of of Teichman. I'm so glad for the Pliskasants that's been happening this summer, yeah. starting at Wimbledon. Uh, Claire Pliskova is the four seed and leads off the second quarter of the draw. Pliskova opens against Katie McNally. Pliskova made Wimbledon final as we mentioned earlier. I think her draw is spectacularly good. I think she's really poised to uh, have, honestly, a pretty comfortable run to the semis? I mean, look, Carolina Pushkova, Wimbledon finalist, next WTA tournament, Montreal final, yeah. tournament after that, Cincinnati semifinal. If Carolina Pushkova is not on your short list, regardless of draw, to at least go deep in the second week, yeah. like... Yeah, then we're just we're just we're just throwing everything out now at, yeah. at, at that point you know like nothing which matters you do. which sometimes people do that's fine you know everybody um does their analysis differently but you cannot ignore what her record is um you know since since the start of wimbledon even not just even the start of wimbledon you can go back and, and start and start the clock at the start of rome i mean yes she got blitzed in that final to ega but if you start at rome and you look at what her win-loss record is it's outstanding and it's just kind of funny, and I still kind of like needle her a little bit in press conferences about it. I think she knows that I'm joking, and she did. She did. I don't. I'm not speculating. <laughs> she, she can knows. take a joke. Plisco yeah, can take Plisco a joke. Yeah, take a joke. And she and she's one of those players where you could be basically be like, "You played like shit today. Like, what happened?" And she's like, "Well, you know." And she's like, "You know, we'll explain." Yeah. But um, just kind of like I bring up the fact that she dropped out of top ten, like. Yeah. At the start of Wimbledon, she's like, she's like, it was one week, like it was not that big of a deal. And then she's like, I don't care about rankings, blah blah blah. And then she's like, but it's really nice to be back in the top five. <laughs> Her reaction to finally beating Pagula in Tennessee oh my God. was so good. <laughs> Just like, like what was, what did she say? Like she was like, um, Master Logia, oh, yeah. you know, you play Bedosa or uh, Benchich next or Teichman I'm, yeah Bedosa or Teichman or whoever Teichman or Bedosa sorry Teichman or um, 
Yeah, Benchich next. That would make sense, probably, right? No, because Bedosa retired to. Any, whatever. Okay. But, um, you know, like, what do you think? And she's, like, kind of talking a little bit. But then she just finally was just like, but I don't really, you know how Carolina is. She's like, but I don't really care. I'm not thinking about Teichman or Bedosa. Uh, I just want to enjoy this 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 win over Pagula. Like, I'm so happy right now. I can do anything. I'm not scared of anyone. <laughs> and I was, and so I started, I started laughing. And she's saying it laughing. Yeah. And I, and I, like, kind of quipped back. I was like, so you're just going to win everything from now on? She's like... Everything, anything is possible now. <laughs> she like burst out laughing, but you know, like I always just appreciated. Like she was this girl's pigeon the entire season. This, like Jesse Pagula, just handing her these losses in critical moments at big tournaments. And it's like, and it's like fairly random pigeon too. Yeah, yeah. And she could laugh about it. And even with Georgie, after she lost to Georgie, she had like really nice things to say about Camilla. She's like, I like Camilla. Yeah. Like I mean, she's like, it's frustrating, and you know, like. Again, I know that you and I harp on this a lot because I think that both you and I appreciate the freshness that is Carolina Pliskova as an interviewee, yeah. um, which is something that we get to see that not a lot of other people get to right. see. And for most people... That's our do, truth. That's our truth. That's yeah. our truth. And, you know, that's... Uh, no, Pliskova's it's, it's a breath of fresh air and a, an adult in the room <laughs> and just someone who's like, yeah, doesn't take it too seriously. Um, her draw is really good. I want to pause briefly and give a shout out to this one player who qualified here. Uh, Paritas Diaz. Yeah. You know, Nuria Paritas Diaz, who's had a big run. Um, 30 years old. True story. A really sort of late bloomer. I know there's a story about her. I think it just came up on WTA website or yeah. something that I haven't read yet, but looking forward to it. You know who was really big on her? Who I was talking to this week? You won't guess. People won't guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Darko Grand Charles. Oh my God. <laughs> First of all, you're still talking to Darko? <laughs> I was working on a big slate story. And I was like, I'm thinking about the other slates. I was like, what about Darko's up to? So I messaged Darko. I'm like, Darko, how you doing? He calls me right away. And he's like a huge tennis fan. Sure, 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 yeah. And he was like gushing and fanboying all about Paris Diaz. I don't know what to make with that information, honestly. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. That's oh, lovely. Darko's doing well. But, 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 no, but like her story, I mean, great story. Yeah. Like basically, you know, like 30 years old and... Yeah, into her first main draw, qualified. He knew all this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then but all of her results and in, in before yeah. that as well. I was, she's, it's she's, a story uh, I would like to dig into. One one twenty five on the WTA yeah. and um, has continued to yeah do well, qualify for events and stuff like that. But very very cool story to follow. Um, so highly recommend. Uh, almost do like that. almost like a Boozernescu kind of glow up out of nowhere, like a sort of second uh, act kind of. Yeah, I don't know, yeah, not be. the same sort of not trajectory same. exactly, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A sort of late bloom thing. Um, Pavlyuchenko, nice to see her in the draw you mentioned there before. Um, having alluded to her before having visa issues, she gets Allison Risk. But I was in that section. But really, this section I do think is a lot of Pliskova. Um, overall, uh, the next quarter here, Andrescu is here as the high seat number six. We'll start with Kvitova, the, who's top wise in the draw. Kvitova opens against Polona Herzog. And then uh, Danka Kovinic, or the other Pliskova, Kristina Pliskova, Chris Pliss, uh, Sinyakova, Kostyuk, Sakari in here. Um, I think this section is pretty open, I gotta say. Like, I don't think any of these players particularly have much momentum in this whole eighth of the draw, honestly. I don't really necessarily have what I feel is, like, a particularly strong intuition on what's going to happen here. Um, Andrescu, obviously, uh, has, was so good for so long when she did play, and then has not had the best results recently. Um, so still like kind of like not selling the stock, but certainly not buying it, just sort of holding 
I don't know what to make of Andrescu. What do you what do you think about this section, Andrescu, in particular? I don't know what to expect from Bianca. I think that she got a rough draw first round against Golly Bitch, who's had a great season. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it, quarterfinal Wimbledon? Wimbledon. So um, not easy to to open up against Golly Bitch. But if you get past that, either Davis or Tomova, and then I mean, not necessarily easy, but either one of Ostapenko, Podoroska, Sam- Samsonova, or Bolter, who obviously played a, a really nice Wimbledon in that match against Sabalenka that I she lost. Watching Bolter, by the way, I've seen Bolter. I find Bolter's game like she's very crafty her matching at Sabalenka at Wimbledon anyway sorry yeah I know the people I to be honest did not watch a look at that match I don't okay. but I've only heard from other people it was fun it that was, it was it really was, it really was cool yeah, yeah yeah so it's hard to know what to expect from Bianca the one thing that I will cut against with Bianca a little bit and this comes up um a little bit when we talk about Naomi as well is that they are so their results and experience and talent on hard courts so outpaces all of those three metrics with respect to clay and grass, that what happens is we completely forget what they did in the first three months of the season, and we completely gauge how they're going to play on hard courts based off how crappy their 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 clay and grass seasons were. Mm-hmm. And that's not entirely fair. I mean, like, like Bianca, when she's been healthy, final in Miami, and what, quarterfinal, round of 16 quarterfinal, uh, Montreal until she busted her toe against yeah. uh, Ons Jabeur. She said, and she played Cincinnati first round and lost, and the toe was still bothering her. She said in her pre-tournament press that she feels healthy, that she's feeling good physically coming into the tournament. So that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. And then we see from there. That being said, I don't like that first round match against Golubich. I think that's a very, very losable okay, match. Okay, but after that, I think the draw is good. Yes. I, I haven't seen Samsonova since her grass globe. I don't know what she's been doing. She on hasn't hard. been as good on the hard courts as she was on, on the grass. Okay. So, but I still have a lot of... I'm so curious about her. I still find her very, very fascinating. That Berlin run just yeah. really sparked my interest. And she was good at Wimbledon, too, until yeah, yeah, Pliskova yeah. had to play well to beat her. Yeah, yeah, for that sure. That was really the Pliskova kind of breakthrough match, actually, yeah, yeah. beating Samsonova. So, um, so, yeah. So, I wouldn't write Bianca off. But never. I think never. that, but again, if it wasn't Golubich in the first round, I'd be, I'd, I'd be a little bit more defending her as a, as, mean, a as a second-week runner. Golubich... Because I thought she played well in Montreal. Osaka handled Golubich pretty well at the Olympics. That was not an eventful match. So maybe... Yes, true. So maybe Bianca can do the same. I don't know. And, and, and yeah, all true. 100%. I just, you know, you just... Yeah. One match, best of three, like, tough to say. And, um, but yeah, but otherwise, past that, yeah, it's a very it's a very interesting section, obviously, or this quarter, obviously, as you said, Carolina is kind of the favorite to get out of it. Petra... Yeah. Played better. I mean, she had some really good wins in Cincinnati before, but she was struggling with um, uh, stomach illness throughout the week. Yeah. So eventually had to retire to Kerber. Um, but otherwise, she looked good in Cincinnati. Like, it looked like things were better. She destroyed Ons Jabor yeah. um, that week. And that was after Ons was playing incredibly well, destroyed Iga yeah. in the, the match before. So, yeah, I mean, you know... I'm I'm curious. I mean, you know, I'm I'm rooting, I'm rooting for Bianca to get back on the board and and it's a fun person to have in the mix, a fun character to have in the mix, and just even her. But I just think that both her and Naomi, it's the same thing. It's like yeah. we always go into the stretch and we're like, well, they haven't had good results. It's like, okay, like they're so much better on hardcore than they are on those other two. Right, but neither of them really lit it up on this early hardcore season either. Sure, but so I, I do mean, I do take that into consideration. Sure, they didn't light it up, but I mean, Bianca playing the level that she did in Montreal. When she, before she got hurt, was notable. Like okay. Okay. you know, like like Naomi. Okay, she played like a couple of matches. She won one. She beat Goff, and she pulled that. Was out, a nice match. And that was the one where she was able to like 
that was a good match. That was a good match. And then again, she and then she loses to Teichman, and if she's, I mean, she told the press she feels like she played a good match. She lost her composure a couple times, and like that probably undid her a little bit. But Teichman was also out there beating everybody that week. So sometimes you run up against players, but I don't think that like either of them took bad losses. Do you know what I mean? That's fair. That's that's more you know because we were talking like oh, uh, Schwiantek she didn't do anything in the hard court no. lead up. No. But we don't like sit there and be like, uh, I don't know. You know we, what I'm saying? Could have, but I wasn't in the mood. No fear, but I'm just I'm just I'm just trying to be consistent in the analysis <laughs> okay, of my point. Okay. That's all. Well, that's I just think we, I just think we have way more data on Iga because Bianca just still hasn't played, you know That's fair. Such a full schedule at all. And on Naomi a little bit this year too. Like we just don't have data, so it's tougher to be confident, I feel like, in them. Uh, that, that's a fair take. Yeah, okay. But saying that like, oh, they're playing crap that's the more articulate way of saying i'm not confident in them is basically what i just achieved there uh got there in the end bottom half i bullied him into it alina svitolina uh who is uh number five seed opens against rebecca marino who qualified on that same court as alex molchan court four or six i forget which one it is what the one next to five um there i think it's four uh she is uh playing as I said Rebecca Marino, right? Yes. yes. Rebecca Marino. I'm making sure I wasn't talking about Svitolina. That would make any sense. Rebecca Marino qualified, plays Svitolina. Nice seeing Rebecca Marino back. Great run for her in Canada, beating Madison Keys. Or then we'll talk about Keys later on in this draw. And Bedosa. And Bedosa. That was, yeah, really nice little run for Marino. Um, tough draw, obviously, against Svitolina, who's playing well. Just won Chicago. a tournament in Chicago. You said her press was interesting today. Yeah, no, it really was. I mean, she talked quite openly about kind of her struggles this season, about not being very disappointed by a lot of results this year, disappointed by how she's been, how she played at the slams. Um, and just like, uh, just a lot of turmoil. It sounded like that she was alluding to this season, both on court, obviously personal life off court, a lot of stuff going on there as well with, you know, um, um, getting engaged, getting, getting married, married yeah. all these sorts of things. Um, it's not turmoil, but just still it's events. Yeah. Well, they broke, they, yeah, they broke they up. They, on, they were on a break yeah. for a while. Also this year. I mean, there was whirlwind, whirlwind, a whirlwind yes. of, of uh of relationship stuff so and just kind of talked about just her mentality about how she was kind of really down and and stuff and then the olympics comes around and she wins bronze and how much that meant to her um and stuff but i think that there were a couple moments that i thought were quite interesting i asked her you know okay you won bronze at the olympics so given yes you're disappointed in your first six months seven months of the season but do you think even if you get bounced from here on out for the rest of the Mm -hmm. year do you look back on this as a, six, a successful year? And I was like, I'm asking innocently. I don't know. I don't. I'm not a professional athlete. I don't mm-hmm. know you. I don't know how your guys' minds think. I would think that yeah. like winning bronze for your country and getting a hero's welcome would be, you know. And she was like, you know, I like it's tough. Like, and she was really kind of working through it. Of like, I've thought about this a lot as to like how much does the bronze medal mean to me? And you know, and knowing that it's obviously a big deal in sports, but but in tennis it's a little bit different. But then when I was there, I really. It was so inspiring to like see all the other athletes and how important it was to them, you know, seeing how they were preparing and stuff like that and and things. So that was it was quite interesting, kind of her her answer on that. Um, and then the other one uh, too was I asked her, you know, can you ever just cut yourself some slack? Like you you've inherited Simona Halep's now you know the streak of of um, active weeks consecutive in the top ten. Mm. Um, you're consistently up there. You're competing into the final, you know, into deep. Like, can you just, if you have a bad six months or whatever, can you just, like, 
chill out basically like yeah. be like you know and and so her answer to that was also really really interesting okay. and and she's been working a lot with a sports psychologist and um so that she t- discussed that but yeah no it was it was it was insightful you know because again it's one of those instances where because she hasn't made those deep runs haven't talked to her much haven't talked to her that much I which think... again if i'm on site i would have talked to her all the time even post loss exactly. i would have gotten a couple of minutes or seen her in the hallway or something like that so yeah. yeah i hadn't talked to her for a while so this was like the first chance where she was in a mood to because yeah. she just won yeah to really kind of stop and reflect on things so it was, it was quite a, it was quite illuminating i appreciated it i think i had a pretty good poker face about it but i totally crony boost i completely forgot she won bronze <laughs> 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 until you mentioned that you did have you poker faced it completely did not did not remember that in the moment Um, like I said information I would need to know versus information I don't need to know I didn't watch that match I did watch the gold medal match or parts of it at least with Von Drosheva winning gold Uh, she's in this section of the draw against Gabriela Russa who's had a nice summer yeah uh, qualified played well on some clay uh, fun little section there, Von Drosheva Rusa, and then gets the winner of Kasakina Parankova. That's a nice, that's a fun little foursome there, uh, to possibly be the fourth round, of, third round opponent for Svitolina. Parankova, I mean, a year ago, remember Svetlana Parankova's, tw- you know, twenty twenty U.S. Open Came run. Came on NCR after her first round win. What a bump! Quarters, what a bump! A great, great, great time. Uh, she lost to Serena. Three setter. Three setter in the quarters there. Quarters, right? Yeah, it was quarters. Yeah. Uh, Saznovich, uh, who played Serena's last match, uh, most recent match. Uh, against uh, Rubak, uh, sorry, isn't here against Rubakina. who's a 19 seed in this next section of the draw. Uh, Garcia and Dart in there as well, and Lee Kucheva. But the big match in this section here, as Courtney makes a face, Simona Halep coming back off injury, off the calf injury from Rome, still working her way back, gets the surprise, but not like shock. Her uh, nickname chan- on tennis Twitter is Goat Milla for a reason. Like, look, peak, peak Georgie. <laughs> Is it's been a thing for years and years. Yeah. Georgie, I want to say, beat Bartoli. Is this right? At 08 Wimbledon, has she been around that long? Or at like some early? Can you look up Georgie like early Georgie Wimbledon results? She did something at Wimbledon really early on, and already kind of like a legend was being born. We didn't know quite all the details of this, and obviously it's had twists and turns in the Georgie story. Um, <laughs> but she. Uh, spoke French in in the encore, and then revealed she lived in Paris for years, which I feel like no one knew, including the Italians. Like, just the amount of like uh, uh, an anonymity that her sort of persona has has allowed, um, and <laughs> maybe very intentionally so, um, is is I think really remarkable. Um, what were her Wimbledon results? Okay, what was it? She made a, a round, at least a good run. Yeah, this right. Yeah, she it? made round of sixteen. She beat Panetta and Petrova, two seeds. Uh, and then lost huh. to Rivanska in 2012 and lost to Bartoli in 2013. Uh, Maybe that's third what I'm round. thinking. Okay, en route to the title for Bartoli. Yeah, okay. That's what I, I thought it was from. For some reason, I thought it was earlier than that. Anyway, um, but Georgie, yes, Georgie plays well on fast courts with his fast US Open. Uh, and you were noted in the order of play that Georgie gets to play around Grandstand, which people think is the fastest court at the US Open because it's an outdoor court, so it gets more worn than maybe Ash or Armstrong do. Uh, yeah, Halep. And I misspoke earlier. Go ahead. Halep got Kanepi on Armstrong. Right. In the, yeah. On the first match on the new Armstrong. Gotcha. Like, right. Yeah. I remember that. And so it was a quick one. It was over real fast. I think I was on the bus. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to miss this. <laughs> I do remember that. Um, so, yeah, I, I had said to Ben at dinner, like, they put her on Grandstand where she got Kanepi. No, she was on Armstrong when she got Kanepi. But Grandstand but is the fast course. Probably Grandstand not where you want to play Georgie. Not um, ideal. 
What, Although outdoors, maybe I don't know. What have you seen from uh, from Halep uh, this uh, time uh, since the comeback? And we'll talk a little about Georgie too, because I do have more Georgie thoughts. Well, I mean, physically, not a hundred percent. I mean, that that's just yeah. the the upshot. I mean, her match against Danielle Collins was fun um, in uh, in Montreal. Uh, which was her first match back, went three sets. She had the, the break lead in the third. Uh, Collins injured herself. I do want to clarify the record on this because I just don't want it to be like what... Because pe- I watched the match in detail and I tweeted it. at. You can go back onto the WT Insider okay. timeline and check the timestamp. But so Halep led by a break in... No. It was either a break or on serve. I can't remember if it was like 3-2 or 2. Maybe it was like the 2-all... Ah, it was the 2-all game in the third set against Collins, first round Montreal. Mm-hmm. Two points or so into that game with Collins serving, uh, Collins hit a backhand and I saw her wince. And she like looked down and kind of looked concerned and walked immediately to the um, chair umpire and was like, can I get a trainer on the next change of ends? Like she was very concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe Halep broke that game. So Halep breaks and the trainer comes out because it's now 3 2. No. Everybody who either didn't watch the match or even Simona, she did not take well to it. Um, afterwards, she mm-hmm. eventually lost the match. After a very long medical timeout, I think Collins reeled off the next games. And if you have watched enough Simona Halep matches, you've seen this happen before in some very large matches. Mm-hmm. Um, in Australia, did, maybe. Mm, Melbourne. Maybe the last day of that women's tournament. I remember um, that. But, uh, but yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, so she didn't appreciate it. Um, and yeah, basically implied that the medical timeout was taken um, as tactically mm-hmm. um, because she was up a break and that the player was down and blah, blah, blah. But I just want to point out that if you roll back the tape, Collins hurt herself in the two-all game and she immediately called for the trainer. She did not call for it because Simona broke. And I feel like that was a weird myth that was getting spun out of control. So I just want to say that. But that being said, yeah, she's she's not, she's. I don't think that she's fully 100%. I think that's a tough first round draw. But even setting that aside, I don't know if Simona is even at the percentage to where she would have been able to play herself into the tournament, even though it's like you'd yeah. play one day and get a day off. It's still just her game style is one that just requires rhythm. Rhythm and, and, and physicality. Yeah. She has to be strong on these hard courts in order to combat the Georgies and the Kanepis and, you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah, tough tough opening draw. But, she, but, but she look, if far. Georgie goes off the boil... Georgie is hardly a reliable... Yeah, she's not a reliable, you know. Um, so if that is the case, it's not it's not terrible for Simone at that point. Halep wins the first round match. She would play the winner of Lee Kucheva, which is winnable from there. And then what? Rabakina would be the seed. Mm-hmm. Not terrible by the third. You know, by the third round, six days into event, maybe maybe the leg feels better. I don't know. No. I don't know. But um, but yeah, tough one for for Simo. Georgie though, just briefly to circle back to her. The month we didn't do a show after Canada. We've done a show. We did. Oh, I should say. I should say at the beginning. We've done a couple of mailbag shows that have come out on our yes. Patreon feed. If you, if people have said there's been a couple, a few weeks now without NCR on the main feed, we do have content coming out on Patreon. If you want more stuff, we more recently don't do episodes both now on both the free main feed and the 
other feet at the same time. So if you want your NCR hits, there's plenty more. There's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. And there's still one more to come probably after US Open. We still have the third hour of the mailbag not up yet. Oh, again, wow. Busy okay. week. And uh, to be fair, here. it's almost all tennis. Oh, yeah. It's a lot. It's like, kind of heavy. Sometimes our mailbags can be a little... Um, Off topic. This yeah, one's pretty heavy this tennis. This one's pretty yeah. heavily tennis. So we still have so. one more hour of that to come. So, yeah. Uh, so back on plug, Patreon. Plug for our Patreon. Patreon.com slash no challenges remaining. Uh, and, yeah. Um, so, but, yeah. But Georgie, like... <laughs> Georgie just sort of as, like, a character. It's just so, like... I don't know. It just feels like it's it's so... She's just such her completely own. She paints her own picture. She she is her not only her own picture. She's her own medium. She's her own art she's gallery. Her own art she is her own everything. And like even just like her Instagram, it's a completely different genre. And just like again, it's, it's so it's interesting when you see these flashes of like other players talking to her because that was never the vibe previously. At least like, we just, she was just sort of like always marching around, like never making eye contact. Do 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 do. Coming off a bit robotic, I think is the word people use for her. Um, and she still has versions of that during matches and stuff. For sure, she's not emotive at all. I mean, like, I mean, Pliskova is the more demonstrative player in that match. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, like, just shout out to her. She's she brings a certain level of 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 Georgianness. It's hard to well, explain. And, I just yeah. Anyway, no, I, I will say this. If in and her, know, her plug, but yeah. but if you haven't yet, do go back and and track down the Champions Corner uh, post with Georgie from Montreal. Because that was a 15-minute interview with Camilla Georgie. That's a feat. Where she was, she engaged. Yeah. She talked a lot about very interesting things, about her family, about her love of art. At one point, she said, like, I would love to, I would love to write. I, one day I want to write a book. And I just, like, blurted out. I was like, I would read it. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, so excited. I'm like, please do that. Like, you know. Um, and, yeah, she was, she was, she was really, like, really took it on and it was it was it was it was surprising and i learned things in that interview and um yeah it, it'll give you a, a really good she interesting just, she, sense of her she just really like opened up that week i mean like every yeah. it was in terms of like for someone who's been around for so long and it's been relevant because her game when it's at its best is so good um and just plays such a uniquely sort of like red line kind of game um that she's a mythical kind of you know peak kind of player uh yeah it's, I haven't seen that chance square. I'm definitely intrigued now to go check it out. Oh, you all great. should do it too. Um, one of my favorite first round matches is the first match of this next section. Uh, Kerber Yastrzemska, I just think could be, <laughs> could be amusing for many reasons. I think it's a, an interesting mix of player of, of someone who starts problems and someone who's real crotchety when problems start. Uh, let's be honest. <laughs> right? <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> Am I wrong, Courtney? <laughs> Courtney is quietly laughing but no, she knows i'm not wrong and she she wasn't laughing at all she she was very uh composed during those remarks uh total total pro uh according to win uh <laughs> i'm excited for I, had, no, I just i had not thought of i had not i had not thought of that um framing <laughs> of that match that's why i was amused i yeah. was like uh, you're not you're, wrong, I guess. Am I wrong? <laughs> no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, if you want I'm to just, say the biggest drama yeah. queen ever, welcome to the Diana Shamska show. I, I said it in 2020 at the I think our year end show, one of our year end shows. There were like three players in 2020 you could like write a book about their year. Novak Djokovic, with like his winning his slams and his Adria tours and all the ups and downs and magic water and stuff. Naomi Osaka, you know, everything she did. And the third one is definitely Diana Shamska because her level of like, of, of, of drama and eventfulness for the relative profile she cuts on tour off the charts 
off the charts. I'm. I want to. I want to talk to her soon. I want to write a story about her. I find her. I want an oral history of the Brankle Yastrzemska match, U.S. Open 2020. <laughs> also amazing. Like, and then I mean, that's not even top five, and there was wine involved. I mean, <laughs> set her home. <laughs> set her home, baby. Uh, and the post with Sasha, be like, you don't say I play. Uh, it's all just. It's all a lot. I, oh my god, I forgot about that Twitter. I'm show. telling you, Jesus. I'm telling you, there's so much with the Ashramska. There is so much. And then she does completely. And then she does photo shoots, and she drops singles. She like, does there have is a music. The, the music, the the one song we talked to her about on the show is still very much in heavy rotation for me. I still love that song, Movie Me Track, whatever it's called. Anyway, really good. <laughs> Kirby Ostremska is all of us, but then Kirby Ostremska's uh, next opponent would be the winner of Sharif and Kalinina. Uh, the sort of real standout match for most people here in this section is Madison Keys versus Sloan Stevens, both unseated. That was the final of the 2017 U.S. Open and the final of the Fr- semifinal of the French Open the next year. Um, both unseated here. I don't like it. I don't. This is this is my candidate for the WTA like redo the draw. Uh, match. Personally, it's my candidate. It's I my just, candidate for the USDA to the draw in public match. <laughs> I just, I just, yeah, that just it bummed me out the minute that it's I, not fun because it's not it's, fun. It's like Williams, Williams. It's just like you don't want it. You don't want it. You don't. And I, I remain very, very, very bullish on Sloan. Yeah. I know that the results have not come, but I really do believe that oh, she's God. playing like much better tennis than her results <sighs> are indicating. I didn't even notice winner to play golf. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Lynette's legit though. Lynette, Lynette just Lynette, uh, Lynette yeah, is playing well. She had well. a great week. Um, she just she destroyed somebody in Cleveland. Uh, was it? It's, it was like the top seed in Cleveland. It's weird having both anyway, Cleveland sorry. and Chicago in uh, the same week as tournaments because they're both like big, obviously American cities, like big sports towns, but not on the tennis radar at all. So you're like, oh yeah, Cleveland, Chicago. For me, they're just not like in my lexicon for tennis. So like, always like, well, no, Cleveland? I, for me, honestly, it's been difficult be- to keep the draws um, yeah. straight. You know, two, you know, simultaneous 250s in the U.S., in the Midwest, City in the same City. times, well, yeah. different time zones, I guess, because yeah. Chicago's central. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, because I, when I ran into Dasha um, on the street, I was like, oh, did you just get in from Chicago? And she's like, Cleveland. I was like, you're in Cleveland? I thought you were in Chicago for some reason. Like, it was hard for yeah. me to keep track of who was where. Both um, tournaments look nice. I mean, credit yeah. both tournaments. Especially, I love the Cleveland venue. It looks cool. That looked really cool. All these sort of Brisbane-style sun sails, as they yeah. call them down there. And, um, Svitolina had very, very nice things to say about, um, uh, the courts at, uh, uh in Chicago, which are at, at the XS Tennis Facility, which is Kamau Murray's. Um, um, academy, but uh, not academy. That's overstating it. By tennis center. Yeah, tennis center. Can we? Sorry, finish your thought. Oh no, she just was like, no, the courts are really good here. Like she was like, I really liked the courts. Like they were like they were good. And yeah. I was like, okay, well, because um, because Kamau, because Kamau's um, uh, excess tennis village. Yeah. Is I think the technical name of it hosted the WTA 125K that Tossin won against mm-hmm. Raducanu, hosted this 250, and then there will be a 500 there the week before Indian yeah. Wells, all at that venue, which Chicago is amazing. Chicago went it. from like nothing to a whole lot yeah. real quick. It's pretty cool. I wanted because she's not in the draw, so we wouldn't mention her otherwise. I wanted to have you talk about Venus in Chicago. Yeah, no, I mean, talk about what Venus did there. Yeah, so this is, is just one of my favorite stories of the week, and it went a little bit under the radar, partly my fault because I just could, didn't have the time to write it up until uh, this weekend. But so Venus got a wild card into the Chicago event. Uh, she drew, unfortunately, Shea Su Wei in the first round. Uh, they played amazing reception. 
uh, for Venus and she walked out on court, packed stands. They played. Venus lost in straight sets. Um, Venus, after the loss, like went up to Kamau Murray, obviously former coach of Sloane Stevens and Townsend and, mm-hmm. you know, all that. Um, and who run who was the tournament director in Chicago because yeah. he also owns Excess, uh, uh, and said, I want to do a clinic with kids. So they whipped up a clinic together, I believe, like in 24 hours, like yeah. the next day. 50 kids um, from, you know, junior players coming, getting to meet Venus. And I wrote it up. She, did, she gave a great interview when she was there just talking about her experience of playing, of being a kid at a world team tennis clinic in Chicago as well. Uh, where she got to hit in front of Billie Jean King, and it's mm-hmm. a legendary thing because yeah. Billie still talks about it. Um, um, and just and and she just had so many great lines in the interview of just like you never know who like um, you never know what will inspire you. My dad saw somebody playing tennis on TV. Virginia Ruzic. Virginia Ruzic at the French Open, which for again for an American and, and during a downbeat French during Open a downbeat time. French Open, yeah. Like and it's like and he decided that was it. You know, and, and, and for those people who don't know anything about, about Kamal Murray's foundation, so the Excess Tennis uh, Village is um, in this, on the south side of Chicago, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's part of his foundation to, to basically reach out, provide uh, tennis instruction, introduce tennis to inner city kids, mm-hmm. and provide kind of healthy pathways and productive pathways to getting um, uh, college scholarships. Um, through both tennis and academics so he kind of focuses on both and so um yeah so they've sent like 47 kids to division one schools on scholarship which is great um since the time i think they've been in operation since 2008 but yeah i think that it's one of the really cool things about not just having like a singular event in chicago but like that excess is hosted will host three events yeah you know over the course of the the last like month and a half or so you know um is really cool just like get, letting these kids like be around pros and like to have there were like I was showing Ben some of the photos that Jimmy took of they're the great. event and they're great and there were a few of them that like made me a little emotional just like what if this like what if Jimmy just took a photo of like a US Open champion in 25 years yeah. you know with and Venus watching her on with yeah. Venus watching in the background you don't even see Venus's face but you you, know, you can see her silhouette in the background yeah. of this kid like having this awesome backhand just like crushing it um, I also joked to somebody, I was like, imagine if, like, people, like, Venus was playing first round in Chicago, WT in Chicago, let's get tickets. And, like, some young kid walked away being like, I'm going to play tennis like Shea Suwei. <laughs> like, you know, like, like uh, how amazing would that be? But, yeah, yeah so tennis being in, in Chicago, and I love this little Midwest swing, um, was really, really cool. And, um, and yeah, I just I just think that was, that was really great from Venus. It's interesting with the pandemic and, obviously, all the tennis uh, events in Asia that are being canceled, especially having all these sanctions after grabs are coming different places uh, on short notice a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Like San Diego's getting a 250 on the men's side, which Danny Valverde is the German director of. Um, <laughs> yeah, fun fact. So there's interesting people, just different sort of things happening in the sport um, and, and different places getting It's very Tim Gunn, looks. make it work. Exactly. Like, what, and just, ever, like, just make it work. And just sort know? of new things, new places, new audiences, it's opportunity. It's it's a sort of it's sort of a chance for creation in the chaos. And people are it. into it. It's not like these events happened and like the people didn't come. The video of people like shouting praises at Venus while she packs her bags is iconic, legendary. Like so feel good that video. Yeah. My God. 
Yeah. It's so cool. And and she responded. Like, she was like, I was welcome. They threw all that energy at me. Like, I want to give back. Like, yeah. I'm, you know, and and she's continued. It was really cool. Like, I saw that she... Hope she can play the 500. She retweet. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, But I saw her retweet the article, and she continued to follow up with some tweets of kind of like, are there other... Where else should I go? Like, what other yeah. what other things can I? What other kids, kids foundations? What what can we do here? You know, it's really it's really cool. It's really cool seeing Venus in this sort of headspace too. Um, and it's, she hasn't always been this way, as people know, obviously, in terms of just being this expressive or this open, or this engaged and and in everything and and loved also. Cause it's a long Venus segue for a sidebar, which is fine. In we the middle Venus of this envy, show. What can we say? <laughs> Her withdrawal video uh, from the U.S. Open, iconic. And also, people should do it more. Like, take the chance when you, instead of just putting out a tweet being like, I know obviously withdrawing is not a fun occasion, but like, it was just such a nice way to do it. It was so much, it was so much cooler than, it was the coolest, best withdrawal video ever. Yeah, notes app for almost anything. Yeah, like, it was just great. And the way she joked and the twist in the middle, which clearly pre-planned, but like, still like, that she set it up and thought about it and did it. Anyway, I really feel like her, when she started vlogging, this is my Venus theory, maybe it's wrong. I feel like when she started vlogging, she got a much better appreciation for what makes good content mm. and, like, mm. became sort of, like, a more aware producer of herself in a lot of different settings. And I don't know. For some reason, I see that timeline-wise. It's almost when she, like, opened back up and, like, got to be, like, this really differently sort of engaging presence. That's she's also, thought. like, I mean, a businesswoman. I mean, she, yeah. she, she understands. I mean, she's in. She's, she can turn it on. Well, no, I don't mean like that. But, like, like if you are in business. Yeah. You are aware of branding mm-hmm. of, and I don't mean this in a cynical way. Like you are aware of how you become more aware of like the importance of how things come off, how things are presented, how things are packaged. Um, and I think that she's, yeah, no, it's it, yeah, just a banner week from Venus yeah. to be quite. And she also has this um, has partnered with the the WTA and um, a mental health organization, Better Health. Um, in a initiative of basically kind of, I'm probably articulating this wrong and I apologize to my employers if I am, but it's on the website, but basically there, um, as part of this thing of like, there's, it's $2 million worth of, um, therapy sessions, right? Yeah. Like free mental health, like sessions, like not to one person, like it's not like 2 million to one person, but like, you know, that's kind of the fund, um, to support mental health initiatives and things like that, which is like really great. And she's been very vocal about that. And um, was one of the first people that, like had she had nothing but amazing things to say about Naomi at the at Roland Garros and how she responded to yeah. to that and kind of led the way there. So yeah, no, it's it's good stuff. Segue back to the draw there with, with Naomi. No, we're just almost at the two hour mark um, <laughs> of this show uh, and with some worthy tangents. Uh, anyway, uh, Naomi Osaka uh, is here as the number three seed in this section of the draw. Uh, Opening against Marie Boskova, uh, I think Olga Danilovic, the qualifier. Of Serbia and Alicia Parks, who actually got Venus as wild card, mm-hmm. oh, and Venus, which Venus seemed a little bit confused about that in her video, but Parks had already gotten that wild card, or Venus didn't even need the wild card; she got in direct. When Flipkins pulled out, and then that wild card at that point went to Parks. Um, she might not have realized that because she might not know she was pulling out already. So who cares if you get in main draw if you know you're not playing? Um, anyway, Osaka probably could draw for her opening up, and then one of her bugaboos, everyone's bugaboo, in uh, Putin Seva in the third round potentially um i feel like that's one of her remaining horcruxes i would be curious to see that match what do you think about this draw for osaka and then potentially fourth round against golf uh who she's played a lot what this i watched the naomi osaka documentary 
Um, golf features in it prominently because mm-hmm. she plays golf twice, and they don't really focus on other opponents much, but golf gets a decent amount of screen time. And um, just from, I think, when the filming window happened to be really is what determined that. And it's obviously, she's the next young thing coming up. It made, it made sense narratively. It was well done there. Um, or, or Stevens could be there, Kerber, um, maybe Keys. Uh, what do you think of this draw for Osaka? I am a person who genuinely thinks always that Marie Boschkova is ranked in the top 40. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think that she's really, I, I just, I really like watching her play and I find her to be like a dangerous opponent all the time, even mm-hmm. if like her ranking or her results don't necessarily merit it. Yeah. So my initial knee jerk reaction of seeing that first round draw for Naomi was, uh oh, like, you know, here's a retriever, here's somebody's going to get a lot of ball, balls back, make yeah. you like do a lot. But yes, I mean, like she doesn't have a serve that should bother Naomi too much. Naomi should be able to, to tee off, create pressure. So yeah, I mean, good for opening one there. I mean, Danilovich as a potential second round matchup, a qualifier, potentially dangerous, but a player that you would expect Osaka to handle. And I think that the un, the person that I'm kind of focusing on more in this section, and you know, it could be the seeds going through with with Putintseva, but Anna Kanyu is right there. Yeah, um, qualifier who qualified in has had a great season despite having to basically work her way through qualifying. She's not getting wild cards, and this is somebody who in my opinion, should be getting wild cards. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think that that's somebody who could potentially be a dangerous opponent for Naomi, kind of like be able to hit toe for toe and a little bit of a newer newer opponent and stuff like that. Maybe, but, Naomi, but, maybe Naomi's overdue for her Kanepi moment. Could be. Could be. Have could they be. played? I don't remember. I don't, playing. I don't recall them ever playing. No. Unless I want to say Melbourne once, but maybe not. Um, yeah, so, you know, potentially tricky, but at the same time, I think that with Naomi... So much of it is in her own in her own hands, and so that's as much as I can sit here and kind of parse through these opponents. You know, it's 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 on her, and that's more the question mark. Not that I lose faith. I I actually do agree with her when she says that. Like, look, I don't think I'm playing as badly as people might think I am. Yeah. She said, honestly, I get it. Like, I haven't played a lot of matches, and I haven't made a quarterfinal in a long time. But I think I'm actually playing okay. Um. I buy that actually. I, I based on, I, I don't know. Watching those two matches, I didn't think that it was like, red flag, red flag, yeah. red flag. Yeah. You know. I so, agree. Um, you know, and slams give her time to play into form. Give her time to a day to reset. I think she likes the day off. I think the day, Indian Wells. Yeah, and the day off is big for, and that's a, a good yeah. Naomi sort of thought that. But that being said, I mean second second week. It could potentially get tricky. Another golf match would always be a little bit of danger. Kerber could be, you know, a, a tough one. Good Sloan-y, Kerber would be a tough yeah, one. Sloan, yeah, Sloan, if she gets herself ramped up, that's an interesting one as well. Yeah. So, you know, tricky, but on the whole, I I don't know. I mean, it's hard because I, 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 I think of Naomi in the same way that I think of Ash, like, at the U.S. Open. Okay. this year which is it's on you i don't i think that if you're on i don't think that it really matters who's across the net yeah i think ash would have i think ash just has so much more data and so many more wins under her sure but i'm just months. saying like it's the same ultimate conclusion for me as much as i can sit there and kind of like yeah. play the chess the draw chess i'm like but i think if you're on you're gonna yeah. win matches so i, I don't I agree with that you know I agree with that. As we sail past the two-hour mark in this episode, I... Sorry, guys. No, no, no. I put, I want to say more about Osaka. Uh, she started doing press conferences again in Cincinnati and did a few there and did U.S. Open Press. And obviously, people saw what happened in the first one in my in Cincinnati. Um, 
but she came back from that and finished. And I think that actually was, I feel like a big sort of hurdle for her to clear. I think when the second one on, she sort of was like, that wasn't as bad as I had made it out to be in my mind a little bit. She was sort of thinking like, what was it about the press conferences that were really were getting to me and stuff. Um, and who knows how much it was all about press conferences the whole time anyway, even if that's what was the sort of narrative. Um, anyway, glad to have her back doing that. She's Can we just like stop? Still, I okay. will say this. Yeah. Just to Let, no, no, I just, I just, no, 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 no. I'm just like my okay. whole thing on all that is like, can we just stop making your press conferences a big deal? I think they aren't anymore. That's what I was going to say. I know, but I'm wanna... just saying. I'm just saying it now. Like, just like they're okay. not events. They're just things that are part of the job that she. Like, I'm not saying this like criticizing any. I'm just saying like, let's just go. She did like pre-tournament press is optional. Yeah. She did it both in Cincinnati and at the U.S. Open. She did her press conference after golf, the golf win, and she did the losing press conference after Teichman. Yeah. She's done everything. She's run the gamut. Like they don't have to be reported on as like Naomi Osaka did a press conference today. It's like, no, it was such a big story at the French open though. Like it's just, I understand it's just closing, that, but it's it's just closing like, that circle. You know, it's just, let's just everybody just move on from it. And like, it doesn't have to be the big deal that, or like an event that, that like sometimes it gets made out to be moving on from, uh, Osaka in the draw goes to the next section, the bottom quarter of the draw led by, and this, well, the top next eighth of the draw led by Dwayne Reed, super shopper, Barbara Krejcikova, <laughs> Um, I actually don't know how much she bought. I saw her on her way in, so I don't know what her sort of haul was. Uh, Krejcikova, seeing, seeing both, having Krejcikova and Casper being number eight, I don't know why that's sort of funny to me. Um, okay, well. My draw locked. Sorry, my iPad locked. But, but I'm just saying, no, 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 no. I'm just saying, just like, thinking of where they were a year ago. It's more, more what I mean about that. But I'm just Krejcikova, I'm not, Krejcikova won as eight. And the other one, anyways, whatever. What? No, I just think it's like ridiculous that she's eight and she's won a major and like like Casper Ruth eight is one. Yes, that's yes. my point. Okay. It's like just this is like Casper what shade. The, okay, sorry, I wasn't sure where you're going, going with that. On okay. there. <laughs> like, that's nonsense, is what that is. She made a freaking Dubai final as well. She's like one shot, won board. three titles. Like Wimbledon fourth round. I mean, look, vulturing works. That's the conversation with Casper. It's like, should you be able to propel yourself to being a top eight seed by winning two fifties? That's the question. Seems like everybody's okay with it. Seems like everybody was real mad about it. Last time I checked, vulturing was a bad word in tennis. That's the last time. That's the last. I mean, the way that that was used to describe certain WTA players yep. was not cool. I mean, vulture is not a term of. of, of no, of but like, I love, mean, yeah. but it's just, I mean, either it applies across both aisles or it doesn't. It just, that's all I'm saying. Okay. Barbara Kachikova, not a vulture. She She's played a really tough schedule and done well with it. Um, and just looks still just like, I just like watching her a lot. She played Barty again in Cincinnati. That was one that I was like, well, I'm going to get up. That was the first match of the day. I was like, I'm going to make sure I tune in for that. Um, just enjoy, just enjoy the energy. Just a lovely her. game. Lovely game. Lovely presence out there. I like this draw for her. Yeah. Uh, Sharma is I think a pretty, hopefully good matchup for her. Could play, uh, Charleston's Emma Navarro, who's the NCAA champ or Mikhail second. And then Kanta, it's kind of weird seeing Kanta unseated, um, Ronnie Alexandrova, I like the section for her. Yeah. And then the fourth uh, round opponent could be one of Muguruza, who opens against Vekic, or Pekovic Begu, uh, and Azarenka's in here too. I gotta say, like, Muguruza's been really unreliable. I mean, just like, it, she had such a great start to like the first quarter of the season. She was amazing, mm-hmm. and then just hasn't kept that level up, obviously. So I'm, I feel disappointed by her, whether that's fair or unfair. Um, uh, but I would pick Kirchikova against all these players. Kirchikova, yeah. I believe, beat 
Muga Ritsa in Cincinnati she also. Did. Yeah, she did, so. yeah. No, I mean, Krichikova has won 25 of her last 28 matches. Her yeah. three losses were to Ash Barty, Wimbledon champion at Wimbledon, to Belinda Bencic, gold medalist at Tokyo, and to Ash Barty, Cincinnati champion in Cincinnati. I mean. She loses to, like, it. It gonna take a lot to body her off of that, out of that draw. And, yeah, I mean, she, she beat um, Muguruza in straight sets, I believe, in Cincinnati. So that's a tough we, one. We say all this. This is her U.S. Open main draw debut, yes, guys. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was thinking, like, how does she like New York, though? I was like, we don't know. She is still brand new. I mean, Casper has played more main draws in the U.S. Open than Barbara Krejcikova. But, yes. Anyway. Best of luck to him. But, um, but yeah. <laughs> wishing no, him luck. Wishing him luck. But, no, like, I mean, this looks like another. I mean, she was making her Wimbledon debut as well, and she made round of 16. I mean, yeah. there's no reason to think that if Barbara Krejcikova, looking at this draw, if she does not make round of 16, that would be a shock, I think. Yeah. Um, quarterfinals, I think pretty good, pretty good chance of that. And I then would, outside I would, of that, like... I would like to see her against Sabalenka. That'd be an interesting That'd match for me. That'd be super interesting Such different one. energy on court. Yeah, for Such sure. different energy. Or <laughs> Collins. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to this bottom section here. Uh, the final cool. section, Sabalenka section, starts at the top with Mertens as the 15th seed. Opening against Rebecca Peterson. Grabbit Tekopolu is in here, too. Uh, 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 or Serrano also in there. On Shabur, I think is probably... I think this is one where I think Shabur and Peter and Mertens are pretty likely to make it through the third round. It's kind of the coin flip kind of match, I would think. Uh, Daniel Collins is, is also in this bottom section in the last little bit with uh, Sabalenka. Collins opens against Suarez Navarro in Carla's final U.S. Open. The end of her final Grand Slam match is now retirement this season. Um, been love lovely year for her, and she's playing really well. Like I gotta mm-hmm. say, like as much as it's like it does not feel swan songy. It feels like. I kind of wish you were still playing because you're because you're like yeah, you're, feels, you're gaining you sure? momentum. Yeah, it, it does feel. Are you sure? Yeah, honestly, just watching sure? her play. Yeah. I'm, she's obviously had a great journey, and uh, all credit, all happy she's at peace with everything and and, and enjoying 100%. this well deserved thing. It just, just like again, I just don't think of people like being so clearly like good and like surprisingly good at this phase of their sort of narrative. Mm. The way that hers. Anyway, I said that with all sorts of positivity. Um, Collins, yeah, is an interesting opponent to have in this uh, possibly sentimental match. And then uh, we get Sabalenka here, who opens against Nina Stoyanovic, uh, who most people probably know, honestly, as Shokovic's doubles partner in uh, Tokyo, uh, when they made it to the semifinals. And uh, yeah, Sabalenka, this is an okay draw for her. I'm not sure what to think about Sabalenka at the moment. I'm not sure sort of how she's trending post-Wimbledon. Oh, I think she's say? trending well. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, uh, what was it? Semi-final Montreal and lost to Pliskova. Yeah. You know? Um, I think that she's playing well. I think that she's bringing the same energy into U.S. Open. I think she breaking the duck at Wimbledon was a big one. Yeah, that's true. That's a that big one. To finally make that quarter and semi. Yeah. And, um, and it took a pitch-perfect match from Carolina yeah. to beat her in that Great semi. Match. Great match. Great match. Um, Wire-to-wire best match of that tournament, I think. Um... Yeah, pretty sure. I'm pretty confident saying that. Um, but I just, but I, at the same time, really love Sabalenka's draw insofar as, like, give me that Sabalenka Collins third round. I want to see what that is. Super intrigued by that. Um, that should be, that'd be a good night match. Yeah, you know, like, uh, Sabalenka, Jabor. Jabor's had a great summer. She really had um, uh, Pagula on on the ropes. Should have won that match. I look at Jabor, you talk about 
Boskova, obviously being someone who like their ranking. I know the rankings are still I know. wonky. Is, How Ons is only number twenty, she should be top. She did finally like, break twenty. I know, for but, one she, week, but she but, should be yeah. like no, I know. She feels like she should be like twelve or eleven or something like that. There's a me. lot of players ahead of her that have frozen points. Yeah, I think exactly. that's the thing. It's not that she hasn't caught the points. No, it's that the, it's, it's it's the rankings are so slushy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she'll get there. Yeah. Like when at the end of this year, when the when the rankings kind of normalize after you know, Indian Wells and all these sorts of things. Like, I think that it should, she should be all right. But yeah, no, she's, I mean, she's eight in the race. Exactly. So that gives Being you a eight sense. eight in the race, the US Open only be number 20, that's weird. Yeah, by anyway. this time of the sixth Especially because she wasn't true. bad in 2020 either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. So that's a great t- contrast of styles. You know, having to play Maritons would be, a, you know, a tricky one, but I think Sabalenka's had good success against Maritons tr- in the tricky past. Tricky because doubles partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, yeah, like, I want to see Sabalenka versus Krachikova. I would love to see Sabalenka versus Muguruza. I would like to see Sabalenka versus Osaka. Saka, yeah. Like, give me that one again. It's been, be cool. it's been what, f- three years? It's <laughs> been a minute, as the um, kids say. So yeah, so I'm intrigued by the Sabalenka um, draw, but I think that she's playing well. I think that mentally she's in a good spot, and it's just a matter of getting it done. And, and you can't um, predict execution. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's what we're all trying to do, but ultimately we can't. We can look at data points and stuff, but um, who knows? But uh, but Sabalenka-Pliskova, you gotta, you gotta wonder if this is the tournament where they... They finally oh, that's your get final. it. No, no, no. I'm just saying it, you have to wonder if this this is the tournament where they get it. Sound like an or plus could be. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like not just like the, not. Yeah, no. But could it, be. Yeah, could be. I mean, I still think that like. I would. Top I mean, five narratively still. Oh, go ahead. Na- I was just gonna say narratively. I feel like both of them have really good narratives to get a breakthrough here for different reasons. As being an at last kind of thing. Obviously, Sablak is much younger. But um, both of them have sort of have paid some dues in some ways and, and taken some L's. And we'll certainly have like a more. I mean, I mean Pliskova's Grand Slam is raised much stronger than Sabalenka's by a lot. But, um, yeah, those are, those are, there's a lot of sort of like, you honestly look at like any of those top four seeds, Barty, Sabalenka, Osaka, Pliskova, and there's ni- they're nice stories across yeah, the board. Yeah, I think, I think it's, I think it's, it's I think, I think it's actually like beyond that. It's a little bit, yeah. are like the hot the, like the that's the group of five in my head. I know Barbora. It's weird. Oh but my like... gosh! But I'm just thinking if you had told me, <laughs> if you had told me three minutes ago <laughs> that Krejcikova could win two slams this year. Oh my gosh! And like, and if she does, not... she's like it. Like reopens the discussion of Player of the Year because she's not then that. I mean, it's still Barty, probably, but she's not that far off. Two versus one. Barty's one thousand. Barty's like, She one. hasn't. Like, she's won, but titles, it would be five versus four. Gosh. But, like, Kredges have all been 250s, except for Rolling Girls, I think. Except for that slam, yeah. Yeah, that, well, and then the U.S. Open, if she wins it. <laughs> I love her already putting herself in this universe, yeah. But, I mean, if, you, if you've if you won 25 of your last 28 matches, how, and you made a, a, a final of a 1,000 on hard court already in Dubai. If she makes the final, I want her to get the Dwayne Reed patch. Okay? Just putting that out there. <laughs> I'm hoping she gets one of the discount cards, <laughs> like the little club card. That'd be nice. <laughs> Hanging on her bag. Yeah. It's very useful around the city. And you have been very useful for listening to all of this. This will be pretty much, I'm listening to be unedited, uh, pretty much, because I don't have time to edit a two-plus hours show <laughs> the day before a slam. Uh, we want to get out before the draw starts. So fairly raw here. Apologies if you can hear me hopefully quietly eating my Snickers at points. Um and thank you to our backers, whose names I will append on the end here uh, later. And thank you to Courtney. And other parting thoughts on 
Oh, I think we've dumped Back. all the thoughts on there. Although, I will say this. The one thing that I wanted to do that I've been dreaming about for 18 months was eating Korean barbecue with my friends. Mm-hmm. And I've done it on back-to-back nights here in New York City. And I just... The restaurant in New York is really nice. Yes. The yes. Pandemic, they have their restaurant game figured out. Having vaccine proof of the door... Oh, we didn't mention. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. We didn't mention, obviously, some more intentionally than others. But like the vac, the vaccination uh, requirement for fans at the U.S. Open, I think, is eased a lot of people's minds. It's kind of crazy how late in the game that happened, two days before the tournament. Um, but I think a lot of people are mu- feeling much happier coming to the U.S. Open. And I actually saw some people being like, "Oh wow, I would have come if I had known that was the rules." So I'm all for vaccine strictness on tour, uh, or in the world and on tour. Um, and we'll see, yeah, how that keeps but Yeah, evolving. like for those who don't know, in New York, yeah, it's uh, for indoor restaurants and bars, I believe. You have to show proof of vaccination to dine indoors. Yeah. A lot of restaurants have outdoor dining, so it's almost kind of like a smoking, non-smoking situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but I can't, I mean, and I, I mean, I get it. I tweeted, like, you know, how much it eased my mind, and there were all these people who were like, not to be a Debbie Downer, but you can still, I'm like, I get it. I'm not going around coughing in people's faces, guys, like inside of a restaurant. But I cannot tell you how much it does relax you to be able to walk into a restaurant knowing that everyone everyone in in that restaurant is vaccinated. Because for people who are concerned about infecting others, if that has been a driving force, and it has definitely been a driving force for me during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. a lot is just like a lot of my behavior has has been dictated by me just like not wanting to infect other people like that's what i'm scared about certainly not me early, catching anything early but pandemic like, was certainly that for me for was sure that? so like vaccination so yeah. like for me personally being able to know that like everyone in this building is vaccinated um is just you know a um just a huge a Game huge changer. burden yeah. and has allowed me to enjoy incredibly my my last three meals my last three dinners in new york at ipudo and then at uh, big jong so yeah, it's been great, and the Korean barbecue is amazing, and it's the one thing I can't replicate from home. So it was, yeah, big ups to K Town, love ya. Big ups to K Town down. Yeah, yeah. Oh Outro. Sorry. You can play Far East Movement. No, oh, I should play Far East Movement. Yeah, we were sit- we were standing there outside the outside the Korean barbecue place tonight, and they had like a screen, like a sort of video on a screen showing. It's like sort of like a deli kind of thing, you know, famous celebrities have eaten here. And there were tennis people. There were t- both Venus and Serena and Sharapova separately, obviously. Um, no, we should just need, we need to take a selfie of ourselves. I yeah. mean, at that point, it's just yeah. tennis approved. Tennis approved. Everyone, yeah. everyone's voted for this place. But uh, also, Far East Movement <laughs> was there. So yeah, I won't do yeah, but Usher. I will do like a G six as our outro here. It's a great. Song. Um, I love it. And enjoy the US Open, folks. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye bye. And thank you very much to our wonderful Patreon backers, especially the ones we thank every episode, our Slam Champ level backers, Antonio Maycumber, Sean Mulroy, Leah Williams, Mary Carrillo, Susanna W., Ashley Keel, James Hindle, Liz Kennel, Jonathan Weinbaum, Timothy Liu, Anna Valinder, and Jean Simeon, and our GOAT backers, Pam Shriver, Nicole Copeland, and J.O.D. <laughs> <laughs>